two, one. And we're live. You are tuning into Cosmic Children. I'm your host, Kevin. Today, I have Joey in front of me. So Joey is a businessman. Uh, Would you consider yourself a businessman? It's very flattering, but yes, I guess that is the term that uh, that, that I go by nowadays. You go by? Yeah. <laughs> so it's Joey bracket businessman. Joey, yeah, yeah, Joey. I would like to, we go by, we like to call ourselves food entrepreneurs. So okay. food entrepreneurs. Okay. Yeah. Then- Business just makes it like super formal and tauke like, which we, we try not to, to, uh, associate ourselves with if, po- if possible but I have to say that's very millennial of you to come up with your own word like that <laughs> entrepreneur <laughs> uh, yeah I have, to, I have to thank my sis for that she put it on her Instagram uh, profile I was yeah. like oh okay that's quite and you're just gonna take that that sums it up yeah. well so I'm gonna follow it <laughs> okay so um, food so what what is the business um, so me and my sister Vanessa uh, unfortunately Vanessa can't be with uh, with me here today because yep. she actually lives in uh, Australia in Melbourne wow, okay yeah and the both of us we run poke theory at the moment okay uh, it is a fast casual concept yeah uh, we call it fast casual because we basically don't do any table service it's not a restaurant but rather it's self-service yep. uh, and we specialize in serving poke bowls so we do poke bowls we do acai bowls we do cold press juices yep. uh, we do healthy food yep. and we try not to make it as boring as people think or as like ah shit like we need to eat our one healthy meal this like once a week or after our gym just so it doesn't go to waste yeah yeah so our mission is to to kind of uh bring healthy food but not make it as boring as possible yeah so we've been running pokey terry for four years uh now uh we had a little venture into a we like to call it a gastro pub called uh alter ego yep. but uh after we went uh overseas with poke theory then we we sold off uh alter ego to focus on poke theory yeah so we're four years into the food business still very very young and 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 new to the scene when you compare ourselves to the other food entre- entrepreneurs just yep that we are not as wide-eyed as when we started. La. Okay, so yeah. young, new, and I would say successful. So I gotta you. admit, whatever you just said within the last 30 seconds, it felt like you had memorized that. It's, it's uh. so perfect. <laughs> that is a perfect synopsis of a poke theory. Uh-huh. So um, what what are poke bowls? Uh, poke bowls, I like to describe them as marinated sashimi salads. Okay. Uh, our idea of salads the the thing is that we i mean we've grown up mirroring american culture right yes. so to us when it started off uh in the western sense salads was always just a bit of leaves gave people that idea that uh it's never going to be very filling yeah oh shit it's hot there. <laughs> um yeah and then we we kind of like coincided with that trend when green bowls started coming along so our our idea of salads is just a good way to to introduce it to people because poke in hawaii mm. the original form is really just rice and marinated um ahi tuna then mm. after that uh when i first tasted it which was in california yep. they already put their spin on it so they had introduced um salmon they had tofu for the vegans yep. uh and and they had a few different toppings that was going on inside uh by the time it reached 
I, I came back to Singapore and then did a bit of R&D and kind of like, I was a food writer prior to that mm. while in Poly. So uh, I, uh, me and my sister put our heads together. She worked in the CBD for three years prior to us opening Poketeri. Yep. And we uh, created this like uh, fusion concept of poke where it was a grain bowl yep. but with poke and then with all these different toppings that were that were on top which uh, if you were to i mean we went to hawaii and then uh, it's quite blasphemous la, like our version of poke um so occasionally you have the 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 the, the hawaiian local that would come to singapore to visit and then they'll eat our poke and they'll be very very intrigued by it mm. some love it some think that it's not the way that it's supposed to be but mm. um, you know we're feeding Singaporeans so yeah for us uh, yeah we have created our uh, kind of like marinated sashimi grain bowls um, yeah that's the best summary I would say yeah that is a perfect summary. I think we can end it right here. <laughs> so do do you think so you you first encountered it in in California? Yeah. Do you think food serves a special purpose for the community? I think food is always special and universally uh, universally Universally, universally universally agreed that um it, it, it brings people together. I yeah. think that's the that's the key message that um, I have always lived by. Uh, you you cannot uh, disagree when you say that when there's good food, right? You always see people smiling. You always see people having good conversations, yeah. unless like a couple just broke up or, or something tragic <laughs> like that. But I mean, like your normal cases, right? Yeah, yeah, you're gonna see with good food comes good experiences, good moments, happy yep. moments. Uh, and, and that's kind of what uh, the, the reason why food was always so important, so special. Uh, in some cultures, I think it is, you know, the one of the main things and kind of some, some it's even the, the most important part of their culture. Mm. Uh, I think in Singapore, we're all foodies, so we totally get it uh, yep. uh, as compared to some, um, let's say other cultures in um you know like like let's take the uk for example i don't think they take the food as seriously as we do apart from the top brass but yeah it's a lot about bringing people together and just happy moments so uh everybody remembers what their mom's cooking was like everybody Mm. remembers what their dad the 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 meals they had as a kid yeah and you can just have that one bite or that one taste or that one you know a morsel of food right and it just takes takes you back you know yeah. that um it's very that? nostalgic yeah like uh i'm not sure if you guys watched but there was the ratatouille moment uh if you guys remember oh, the food critic eating the, yes. the ratatouille yeah. right so he yeah. picks that that piece of food, right? And then after that, boom, he's back to his days as a kid mm. with his mom. And regardless of how much of a astute food critic he is now, uh, he can never forget that that um, that piece of ratatouille and, yeah. and how it was that childhood dish. And it's very similar for myself as well because yep. uh, like when I started writing about food, 
Uh, and then I have friends who are being afraid to like, oh, like we're afraid that we go and eat here. Then you think that like it's not nice or like Interesting. we yeah. don't want to do Like I would have a friend who would make cookies or like bring yep. like brownies, right? Yep. And then they'll let er- they'll let everybody try it, but yep. wouldn't let me try because they're afraid. And then I would, I would tell them that it's more of like a switch that we could turn on and off. Mm. Uh, and, and there's definitely something special about home cooked food. There's yep. something special about not being all like over the top about it, not being so uh, posh about food. Mm. And uh, home cooked food is a great example about it. So uh, yeah, I think it is that, that it serves that one purpose of being able to bring everybody closer together mm. and uh, yeah, happy, tr- like keeping memories for, for everybody. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, have, I have a two part question now. Do you think food always has to be good? And what is your own personal history with food? Uh, does food always have to be good? Huh? I think if you don't have a, a good budget food, <laughs> no, still here's the thing. People are probably going to think that I would say if you don't have a good budget, you're probably not going to end up with something good. But actually it's the opposite because um, I have one of my uh, the signature dishes that my family and my close friends know and it's called beggar soup. So what, what uh, is yeah, why I named it was because I was in LA yep. uh, and, and I was an intern student, right? Yep. So uh, you didn't have the money to eat out all the time uh, and and it when you when you live by yourself overseas you will realize that you will end up cooking in bigger batches you don't cook one meal but rather you cook for let's say three to four batches mm. uh three to four servings i mean and then you just heat it up yep uh that's just the way it is you don't have to have the time or the luxury unless your life revolves around food la. <laughs> so um i think what I did was I basically threw together whatever that I had within the pantry. Yep. Uh, there was some spam. There was some tomato paste. Yep. There was some oh, uh, cheese, actually, yeah. like American cheese. Yeah. Uh, and just onion, garlic, uh, random spices here and there. And it ended up becoming soup that was my best soup. Like it was my best recipe. Uh, and to date, it is... Uh, on par with another more refined soup, but I swear, like that uh, beggar soup, right? When my my extended family tasted it for the yeah. first time, yeah. it was wiped out. People wanted second bowls, and then next moment they couldn't eat everything yeah. else, which yeah. was expensive. And mm. that's the funny thing because then we were having like the turkey, and then there was the ham, yep. and there was yep. the like expensive like stuff, everything. But everybody wanted that soup, and they had no idea that that soup was basically just a mishmash of things and costed like less than five dollars. So um, my answer would be that food should be good whenever possible yeah uh it doesn't require uh top-notch ingredients it doesn't even require top-notch techniques actually interesting uh it's more about understanding what each person wants so if let's say somebody is into something that is lighter you don't you don't shave for like two entire truffles on their plate and expect them to like it <laughs> and because it costs you yeah. a bomb right yeah. they are supposed to like it no um, it's s- supposed to be what hits home yep. yeah so that is my question to the first part yep. um, second part what food is to me uh, brings me back to uh, why I got into food yes and why I got into food was basically because uh, so 
long story short, I was a terrible student uh, in secondary school. How terrible? Terrible, like bottom 20 in the level, terrible. So I would have okay. to, uh, I mean, me and the parent sessions were a given. Yep. Uh, bottom five in the class was a given. Yep. Uh, and then I had to go for these like, not the normal remedial classes, but the reserve for the bottom 20 so that we don't influence yep. the, 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 the other like bottom yep. 10% of like the level. Up. So that Up. was bad. Yep. Uh, and then I was one of those like last minute study and I managed to scrape uh, into a, I would say like a middle JC. Uh, I didn't want to go to JC, I want to go to Poly. Yep. Uh, and I knew that I want to go to the same course that my sister went to, but uh, my parents uh, thought that because I was such a bad student yep. and I basically was lucky to be able to last minute chung into JC, mm. uh, I would and I should go to JC because then I can bob along and follow, go with the current. And hopefully if I can stay in the middle of everything, uh, I would make it, I'll have a higher chance of making it to university as compared to poly where, you know, it's like a, you have to be consistent throughout the three years uh, and, and you could mix with, uh, uh, I guess, more varied company compared yep. to uh, in JC. And, and jokes on them because then after I went to JC and then I ended up like being so bad yeah. that I could not even qualify for uh, second year. So it's not like yep. uh, I didn't want to yep. try to, to go. It was the school was like, you are this bad. We do not allow you to stay. Yep. Yep. So I had to leave JC. Uh, I, basically, my friends were continuing on to J2. So from around October or November, yep. uh, I was free all the way until February where I would reapply this time for poly. Yep. And then after that, I would start school in April. So I had a six-month gap. Yep. And in that six-month gap, uh, basically, I had a lot of free time. Uh, during that one-year JC, uh, my parents basically split up. So mm. uh, the reason why my my uh when i asked my dad because i was closer to my dad uh, i asked him why uh this was happening yeah and he told me that it was because and and i say it again and again that it's a very mcp thing i do not agree with what, is what mcp mcp uh, it's a very male chauvinistic pick yep. uh thing and i totally do not agree uh to this day with my dad uh but he had this very old school style of thinking yep. where he as the man of the house was entitled to this and that and even though my mom was a working class uh, mother yep. uh, she actually even uh, brought home more bacon than my dad but my dad expected her to have to teach me and my sister uh, for like the subjects we were weekends such as Chinese. Mm. Um, she he expected my mother to have to do the laundry. Yep. He expected my mother to have to cook the family meals uh, every single day. Yep. And this was a lot as my mom was a businesswoman yes. uh, blossoming and, and a company was growing. So she chose that, you know, she was entitled to pursue her own dream. Yep. And and fair enough. I mean, uh, in the end, they, they fell out over it. Mm. Uh, and my dad, I think he was a little bit bitter about it. And he felt, uh, he, he put the blame back then. Uh, and I didn't understand it. And he said that it was because uh, my mom stopped cooking these family meals. And uh, we stopped 
uh, having this time together as a family, mm. we drifted apart, and that's why the divorce is happening. Mm. So, me as somebody who is very close to family, um, uh, and and always had a had a dream to uh, do uh, some form of a business with my sister, yes. uh, leaning towards F and B, uh, I decided that I would try to if if let's say this could happen, uh, then this could potentially happen to uh, my family in the future. I mean, who knows uh, what, how I may morph, uh, but, uh, and I don't know whether my my uh, my future wife may even want to cook at yep. all, uh, or even want us to be spending time to be cooking or whatsoever. Yep. So I took it upon myself to learn how to cook. Yep. And uh, this brings us back to the OG MasterChef uh, episode one, MasterChef US episode one, with Ronald Ramsey shouting vulgarities all over the place. Yep. Uh, and that very first episode where there was a, uh, a guy who didn't make it true, but he tried to with beer cheese soup. Beer cheese soup. Beer cheese soup. soup. Yeah. Sounds terrible. It sounds terrible. Uh, I think it was terrible as well. <laughs> that, that, that's why it did, that's why it didn't make it true. But um, yeah, so it it, it totally uh, intrigued me. Uh, I wanted to uh, for for that reason as well as the reason of the family uh, pick up cooking. And my mom was busy uh, working, yep. as was my sis. Yep. They would come home, and then I didn't want to like like they had stories to bring to the dining table, and I didn't want us to be sitting there with styrofoam boxes. Uh, mm. When I had the time to actually learn how to cook, yep. and the least that I could do was to actually, uh, you know, ha- let them come home to a, a hot home cooked meal, mm. um, and. That was how it started my whole journey with food. Yep. Uh, started terribly. I, I burnt the omelette. <laughs> I, I uh, it was a miracle that I got the first batch of rice right, but yeah. everything else was bad. Uh, really, really bad. So the first couple of days, everybody had to tap out. First couple of days, <laughs> try the first couple of months when we were basically just everybody was putting on this face of like the. Uh, it's 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 not that bad, you know. But then 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 they they pull out like the chili sauce and then the everything. <laughs> That's when you know you're fucked up. Yeah, like everything just has to go on top of it. But I I tried and I tried and slowly yeah. I improved. Um, and when it was time to go into school, so I went into mass comp. Uh, and I I took to journalism as my mm. uh, choice of what I would like to specialize in in yep. MassCom. Uh, I went into poly with a very, very different uh, fire in my belly because of that experience of dropping out of JC. Um, so I went in with a lot of determination to do well in poly as well as uh, being known uh, for something. Yep. And that was to be food in the end. So I took up, uh, I was the first to do like when the very first semester break happened when yep. everybody was all planning uh, how they were going to like oh, three months of a break and then yeah. they were just going to play and everything. Yep. Uh, I was the only mad guy writing in uh, trying to get oh, internships wow. for free uh, in the first year and I, I did land yep. this gig where I started writing free articles uh, in the food section naturally uh, and then that was when uh, like bang I started going for food tastings uh, I think within two to three months almost every day I was going for a food tasting and I was just trying to accumulate as many uh, bylines as possible we called them uh, basically having the by Joey Lee 
uh, in oh, an article. So that's what called byline yeah, is. That's <laughs> what byline is. And yep. the more bylines you had in more prestigious places, yep. you could add to your portfolio. That's when it was considered legitimate enough because yep. you had, you, you could say that this article was actually written by you. Yep. Um, so I started going deep into it. I interviewed uh, sh- chefs and owners, yep. uh, found out about the pain points about F&B, uh, and and along the way, I basically also started wanting to mimic what the chefs are doing. Yep. So uh, I would I would staff myself the whole day, go to this one tasting, and when you go to food tastings, right, what happened is that, I mean, fact of the matter is that food is actually a fraction of the cost as to how much hype uh, a good food review could bring to you. So they would let you whatever you wanted to eat, mm-hmm. right? You name it, they would they would do it for you and it would be the head chef doing it for you. Yep. So I'll staff myself the whole day, whack, and I'll, I mean whack, like there were some tastings where it was three full tables filled with main courses and appetizers and food and they would just ask you like, oh, it's fine, just take two bites and then I'll have to make your notes and yeah, write some more, write some more. Like, yeah. you know, like yeah. the, the, the more you write, the better. It's like publicity for them after Yeah, all. yeah. yeah. So, so for them, uh, it was that that free dish was super cheap compared to the cost of let's say getting one of your big boys which back then was like your Lady Iron Chef mm. your Seth Louis your Miss Tam some of which are still relevant yep. and big yep. boys nowadays some of which have uh, taken a back seat but um, yeah we were one of those uh, more obscure uh, publications uh, for those who may have heard of us yep. we used to be called Fever Avenue and then after that we were Poached Mac so mm. um, I led this food column and basically started uh, delving very deep into the food world yep. um, cooking a lot more after I asked the head chef uh, for their recipes went home tried to recreate them yep. and um, I think that one thing that I discovered was that it reinforced that belief that food draws people together. Uh, when I w- would cook something good and I started getting my my recipes right and yep. my palate better, right? Uh, I would see that my family would really, really enjoy it. And oh, there was, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, there was this once where uh, the very first Christmas where I cooked for my sister's company uh, and I cooked Whoa. for my extended uh, family <laughs> yeah. and my sister's company, basically the colleagues were asking for the recipes and my extended family and my godbrother said this one thing where uh, I asked if next time I were to cook like this, uh, because now we're in the generation where we don't have five to six siblings like our parents' generations, yeah. right? So we naturally would not, uh, like, it's even harder to stay close to your cousins and have uh, big family gatherings. Yep. So I told my, my cousins and my godbrother that if next time I were to cook like this, would you uh, come to attend a family gathering so that we could stay close? And my godbrother said, if you were to cook like this, and we get to come here and eat for free, right? Yeah. You don't have to say, <laughs> like, just say the day and we are there, you know, for sure. And yeah. and and that stuck true and was very, very, um, it lodged very firmly in my head that this is right. Like, the, yeah. the belief is right. And one day I'm going to be that 
uh, cornerstone that my family, my friends and my friends' family will yeah. all come over yeah. for that massive cookout barbecue. We mm. all we all be friends together. We all chit chat. We'll catch up and we'll have that day off. No matter how stressful it is mm. in Singapore, no matter what our troubles are, we all stay close. Yeah. Um, and maybe even. Uh, you know, help our friends, families stay close, yep. and all this through this power of food, which yes. um, some people uh don't uh, agree with. Some people they they uh what's that saying? They they live no, they eat to live, but mm. then there are those people that um live to eat, and yes. and I definitely belong in that live to eat category. Yep. Yeah. So um for me, uh, after I delved deeper into that. Uh, before you know it, at the halfway mark of poly, uh, when I was pushing myself to push my portfolio even further, uh, me and my sister decided that, you know, why don't we try doing uh, a mini home business? So Mini home business, okay. Yeah, back then I was 18 years old. My sister was 20. Um, we were selling these like, I mean, we, we branded them as artisanal cookies. La. So <laughs> we sold a bag of, uh, we had three flavors, chocolate crinkles, yeah. chocolate chip cookies, yeah. and white chocolate and uh, cranberry cookies. Chocolate crinkles and white chocolate uh, cranberries would go for $8 a bag. Yeah. And then chocolate chip would go for $6 a bag. Yeah. And a, a bag only has 8 to 10 cookies. Yep. So these are like, not cheap cookies. Yep. Uh, and it started uh, from me literally like begging my friends like, hey, bro, like buy two bags <laughs> and support leh. Like, okay. And then after that, they tried it and yeah. they, they really liked it. Yeah. Uh, they let the families try it and the families loved it. And then after that, the family started placing orders. And then we started being able to sell and then we registered ourselves for um, school events in uh, Nian Poly. Yeah. So when they were doing open houses or like um, we had these like scare fest, Halloween yep. and stuff like that, we yep. would take, uh, we, we would participate. We would start selling maybe about 10 to 20 bags uh, at a mini event like that. Then after that, we pushed ourselves to the next level once we saw that uh, people were taking to it and we did these like cute little name cards. We had like mm. sample boxes and really, really yep, just yep. our own uh, attempt to brand it. Yep. Uh, do the do the the recipe yourself, do the baking yourself, yep. do the delivery yourself. Yeah. yeah, like it was all in, everything was done by ourselves, yep. uh, especially the branding. Yep. And this was us kind of like honing our skills for in the end what was used for Poké Theory. Yep. Um, before you know it, we were trying to think what is the next step that we could go to. And then we went to dog adoption drives because we, we felt that- Dog adoption drives? Yeah, so oh. very uh, it was very kind of like niche, but we knew that our target customers were the kids, but the price tags that we had were ones that the fam <laughs> the the parents could only afford. Yeah. So you needed this special uh, day where everybody is mm. in a good mood, uh, and, and if they would have shout out a few hundred on like a uh, if if they were to have I mean a we dog. did if they were to have bought a dog they yep. would have uh, spent money. Yep. If they were to have adopted a dog they would have saved that money that yep. they would have had. Yep. Uh, if they were to buy a dog and it's generally a good hearted family if they're looking to adopt uh, they would try that one sample the kid will love it and then the parents will buy a few and then we will jump to being able to sell between 20 to 40 uh, bags at one go before you know it we had 
about 600 followers on Facebook and then we started getting private orders. So we did this thing where if you placed an order of five bags, which was $40 yep. and above, yep. uh, delivery would be free. We would uh, take the bus down and then we would oh. go and like buy uh, our ingredients from the Punuhat store <laughs> in uh, Chippy Gardens. We would travel back home we were bake in our home oven, which could only do two bags at one go. Two bags? Uh, two bags at one go, yeah. Uh, and this was because there were hot spots in the, in the oven. So if you try yeah. to do more, yeah. uh, you end up with misshapen cookies. Yep. Uh, some would be burnt and then the quality control would be off. Yep. Uh, and and uh, before you know it, we had these private orders coming in and we I can still remember there were these crazy kids, usually boys, uh, and they would persuade their parents to place private orders of like 25 bags, 30 bags at one go. There was once where there were like a 40 bag order. And at that point in time, right, when you take 40 multiplied by um, even $6, we were doing $240 of um, sales yep. in one order. Yep. And that was half my pocket money, man. So for me, it was like, it, it started becoming something more. Yep. Uh, even though it took... M- like a lot of time to because we were only baking two bags at yes. a time uh it was that learning experience of like okay this is what it takes to do a business from scratch this is what it takes to work with my sister mm. uh to 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 have those like quarrels with my sister uh <laughs> and there were how, quarrels there were quarrels yeah. um how we're gonna split the money and then we had all these sensitive topics that made it that much easier when we when we got to uh the real shit which yep. was pokey theory yep. um and then uh before you know it we were hitting i think the big break came when one of the moms uh from the dog adoption drives yeah. placed an order for her company which was honglung finance so honglung finance was doing um their own private event and they placed an order for 80 bags no of, fucking way okay or chocolate crinkles and yeah. this was uh eight dollars times 80 640 dollars more than my pocket money <laughs> We baked through the night, yeah. no joke. So we took turns. Me and my sister did catnaps, oh, and then we we took yeah. turns. Uh, our friends looked at us and, and said, "Like, isn't it more worth it to go and like both work part time jobs and mm. it's easier and everything?" And I told them, "Like, I don't think like it's it's different because we are going through this experience together as siblings with the possibility of doing a business in the future." And uh, before you know it, we were doing corporate orders, and then uh, our like. The pinnacle came when we were doing wedding orders of 100 to 120 bags at one go. And that was when we had to bring it to a stop. This entire progress, this journey happened within one year, by the way. Yeah, so um, it was my mid of year two in poly. And then I had to stop in my mid of year three of poly because I was about to fly to Los Angeles to do my internship. Uh, and my sis could not do it alone. Like, and she was already also about to start work and and, and already ending up her university. She did uh, a, a double degree in SIM. But the business was picking up. Business was picking up. Too successful. There was uh, <laughs> good potential, but not good enough compared to a starting pay for my sis yes, out there. Of course. Like, yeah. yeah. So um, we knew, and then we said this farewell to our customers and we told them uh, that, you know, maybe we'll be back. Uh, we would love to be back one day, but for now, you know, it's a it's a it's a goodbye la, Um, for at least the next six months. Yep. Uh, I flew to LA. Uh, still 
uh, still freelance at this point of time I was freelance writing for SPH already so yep. earning um, decent money from uh, journalism yep. uh, I was in the internship program which paid uh, $2,000 a month so I was a, uh, quite a well paid intern and I was just hopping all over the place in LA and I was lucky because uh, I was covering events so I never needed to go to an office mm. I was covering events and for the first time doing tech so the company would send me to Seattle, would send me wow. to Vegas, would send me to San Fran, would send me to um, even once uh, I went over to, uh, yeah, I think Seattle was the most special. Seattle and Vegas was the was the two most special places that uh, I traveled to long enough uh, and, and it was considered legitimate to me. La. So um, along the way, somewhere along the way, I tasted poke in LA, mm. fell in love with it, yep. uh, felt that like, holy shit, this tastes, for lack of better words, right, this is basically that salmon sushi when I dip it in exactly the right amount of soy sauce and put the whole thing in my mouth. And then I chew and then it is, <laughs> it, it hits the spot. Uh, but it's so much easier to eat and it's so less chefy than what you see in Japanese restaurants because you know you're just cutting it into cubes and you are eating it out of a bowl so mm. it's a lot less pish poshy mm. it doesn't require uh, a, a skilled chef and in actual fact when I was doing my R&D uh, like our I mean back then our biggest competitors uh, was Aloha Poke and Aloha Poke hired uh, this uh, award-winning chef from Capella Hotel. So there was me, this, I mean, really a amateur home cook who had done a couple of apprenticeships in uh, kitchens for two to three months, yep. going up against an award-winning uh, chef from Capella Hotel yep. uh, in this poke specialty. Yep. So I was really nervous. Uh, I mean, when, I, when we came back, they were not around yet. So I started army and then at that point of time, I already had this thought in my mind that like, wow, this is a business that we could actually do. Massive potential in CBD. Everyone is looking to eat healthy, but back then, everybody thought that healthy eating was so boring. Mm. Uh, green traders had just hit the market and everybody was getting super excited about it, except for the fact that it cost $16, $17 per bowl. So mm. it was not sustainable. It was more of a, it's a treat. Maybe yep. like once a month, we treat ourselves to go there for a nice, cool, healthy meal that was super Instagrammable. Um, we, I came back, I enlisted for army, and then immediately, bang, bang, bang. I mean, when I had a conversation with my mom telling her that I, I did not want to pursue. Uh, so I, I, I went from this student who uh, was in the bottom 20 and yep. then not able to qualify for J2 yep. uh, to... Uh, uh, I'd say I was a quite a pretty good student uh, in poly, <laughs> such that they would send me. I was I was picked to yeah. um, go to California for my internship. Yeah. So um, I changed a lot, like, as a person, um, as a as a uh, as an individual. Yeah, yeah, like my ambitions and everything had totally uh, changed. Uh, I was able to apply for a scholarship because I had topped the program for this uh, fly to America internship thing, uh, highest score in history. I, I, I remember I got 78.5 upon 80. 
So Damn. yeah, it was like yeah, hands down. Um, I was the top scorer in that program. Yep. So I could get a scholarship, uh, for journalism, but that scholarship would come with a five year bond with SPH, and I mean like. No, no, no disrespect, no nothing, <laughs> but like I have been to America and experienced the freedom of being a journalist in America. Uh, and I, I felt like I could not do it, like come back to do a five-year bond in Singapore. And then there I was with this decent experience with doing a business uh, with my sister yep. uh, with a product that had not hit the Singapore yep. market and I felt that it ticked all the boxes with the typical problems of manpower with uh, quality control and with rental because uh, quality control wise there's minimal cooking uh, manpower wise it's going to be cheap because you don't need chefs in fact I was the chef and we did not have any full timers at the start we did everything ourselves from scratch and then slowly we taught all full timers after that uh, and Rental-wise, it, it can be super high turnover because when you were to compare, let's say, our the, the way our concept is now versus, let's say, a ramen shop that is stable service, uh, in the ramen shop, uh, you're going to have somebody first wait to get their seat. Yep. And then after that, wait to get the menu served to them. Yep. They will browse the menu. They will choose their menu item. Uh, wait for the for the service crew to come over and place their order. Service crew goes to the kitchen, places their order. Kitchen crew starts cooking. Forty five minutes. Uh. Forty five minutes minimum <laughs> yeah. before they sign off. Uh, give you the money and yeah. leave the seat. Yeah. So it was all about that. Uh, we we call it turnover. Uh, how many how many people. How many asses basically take that seat yep. in a day? Yep. Um, and most places in the CBD uh, were doing two to three. These were the really successful ones. Uh, and then we had cracked the code because when we when we uh, started, uh, we were basically doing like five to six turnovers because wow. what was happening was we had customers that were only taking their seat when they already had their food and it was cold and it's sashimi so you're going to want to start eating immediately and fast yep. and the moment you're done uh, you feel a bit paise because you, you get that other people are waiting and it's CBD and you are always in a rush yep. so you go to clear your table and then the next person yep. sits and uh, that also helps you manpower wise because then you only keep it to one shift uh, we know it's not a breakfast because nobody's gonna eat raw fish for breakfast <laughs> you know you don't compete with dinner because we knew you wanted to go halal uh, mm. because it's hard to find healthy food in the halal market uh, and we just knew you were so streamlined and we knew exactly what we wanted yep. I told my mom that I was gonna forego the scholarship to go into F&B and she almost fell off her chair <laughs> she, she basically was I mean supportive but very very cautious because yes, yes. uh F&B is known as the graveyard of startups in Singapore was that the preconceived notion that uh, your mom had or did did, did 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 you get that sense as well uh I knew how dangerous it was uh and that's why I I kind of told my mom that look uh I mean we had amassed a decent amount of uh, profits from that one year of doing cookie. Uh, we had our own <laughs> savings, uh, myself from freelance uh, yeah. writing and just saving uh, through my internship. 
so I had my own uh, sum of money to put in. Yep. My sis had already worked for three years in the CBD, so she had her own savings along with all of our school savings. Yep. Uh, and we, we basically went all in. And I'm a poker player. So we really shoved it all in. And then after that, I, the, we were missing about 40 to 50 grand. And I told my mom, if uh, can I use the money that uh, I, I suspect you had set aside for my university and as a typical Asian parent who did not know, I mean, she had no idea that I had, I had qualified for this scholarship. Uh, you had it set aside and you probably uh, were going to treat it as like that last gift la, as, as a parent to your kid before uh, I, I, I take off uh, with my own wings uh, and, and, you know, embark on my own life journey. So can I take that 40K um, to use for the business? But I promise that I will pay every single cent back. And if I fail and within five years, I do not make anything out of this venture, I promise that I will give it up and I will go and work um, that nine to five uh, uh, and, and basically not take any risk so that I can save up and pay you back that money that I had taken this gamble on yeah. um, and, and you know just just stop having this crazy dream of, of thinking yes. that I can do um, this FFB business yeah. in this instance in poker terms were you waiting for a flush on the river I was yeah I was <laughs> basically looking to open with pockets because for me it was I mean I, I, I knew the, the hard work that came with um, F&B yeah. so for me it's either we're gonna hit a home run with this otherwise uh, I don't think I have the passion to really uh, do a one shop business for um, the, the, the next 30 to 40 years because um, in F&B it's very difficult to to um, have that work life balance so yes. a lot of people really go into F&B with that passion and I do not have that passion uh, probably I had more into journalism rather than as being a chef yep. so for me I saw it as a business uh, decision I knew that my sister uh, looked at business in a way as if we could make it then her dream would actually be to be able to watch her kids grow up in the way that my mom did not uh, get to because uh, she started her business too late. So mm. my sis, coincidentally, the reason why she's not here mm. is because she just had her first kid two weeks ago. And um, she is now able to watch every single moment because she can do her work from abroad yes. and uh, raise her kid herself. And that was always that dream. So for me, yeah, I was looking to to, to open with pockets, not even <laughs> deuces or, or trees or fours, but more of yeah. at least tents and pictures. Yeah. Uh, and give a me, house on the, on the river. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you give, give me aces and a, and a street flush, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. But yeah, um, yeah in, in that region la, was yep. what I was looking at. Yep. So that's why I had that five-year timeline because I was being realistic with it. Uh, if we don't make anything out of it, uh, and, and realistically, I knew uh, based on what I had seen, uh, every, uh, you know, there's, there's always kind of that. You can either be a fad, uh, which would be a very short-lived trend. Yes. Uh, many examples are in the dessert scene, la, where you like have yogurt. your... 
Gilgut was one. Yeah. I think more short-lived one would be like your Castella kicks, the the wobbly uh, kicks which lasted less than a year. Mm. Uh, you had uh, everybody used to like to use bubble tea as a, as a phrase, but we would argue that bubble tea came back and then now ha- is here to stay. Yep. So there's fads and then there are long-term trends which are here to stay. And we saw... That's why we framed Poké Theory and you never saw us use uh, Hawaiian terms in our in our marketing, in our branding. My sis chose to brand us as LA Star Housepot. And in every interview that we did, I always uh, drew back the inspiration and how I first tasted it in LA, not in Hawaii. I was not following the way Hawaii did it. I was modeling it for a product that I knew would work in Singapore based on the inspiration of LA and how innovative they are. So we went with uh, the direction of it being LA style health spot, yep. whereas our competitors were going with Tiki this and Hawaiian this and and all the Hawaiian words in the in the brand names and the menus and and just everything Hawaiian. Was that very tacky or would that kind of like box you guys in a spot? Exactly. So to me, being uh, choosing Hawaiian as your USB was not sexy because what is Hawaii? You you, you go there to retire. We, we kind of have no conception of it. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we know yeah. uh, Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. Maybe we, we, we know a lot of like yeah, yeah like the, <laughs> the, the uh, call me yeah, like, yeah. I mean the, the listeners can't see this but me yeah. and Kevin are doing the shaka shaka like <laughs> chill kind of thing yeah. Uh, yeah. we know they smoke a lot of pot yeah. they, they, they go there to chill yeah. and they go there to retire yeah. um, the, the people are not really healthy um, and they're very laid back they're yes. not Singaporeans yes. so it's quite different and we saw LA style, LA style health spot as something that would really catch on, really resonate with the CBD Singaporeans because they get what it's like to be in that mad, like, you know, like so heavily tilted towards work and that work-life balance yep. kind of ratio um, that they get what we're going with. Uh, on top of that, they would understand the values that we wanted to uphold, which would be being environmentally friendly, being eco-friendly, mm. and basically making sure that healthy eating doesn't have to be that difficult. Yep. Uh, if you hate going to the gym, sure, just have our pokeballs and then eat more healthily yep. and you can actually trade that off it doesn't have to always uh, be one or the other and my sister want to, wanted to actually drive the point because at that point in time there was a lot of calorie counting going on mm. and my sister suffered uh, herself from uh, eating disorder when she was younger mm. uh, both anorexic and bulimic so uh, she grew out of that and wanted to help uh, anybody that w- fell into that dark hole yep. uh, and we went with that kind of motto of we will never put how many calories are there on our menu because yep. number one you don't want to pressure people into having to count your calories mm. and number two is as simple as everything on a menu is going to be good for you so you can order anything and as long as you eat within our portions it's healthy yeah, and 
you that, that, that's why you ha- don't have to stress like you literally just choose um what you want yep. and if that suits your taste buds and you like it yep. and we tried our best to fit within the price points uh that's why we we uh when we started off compared to now yep. uh now we have uh, uh even a light size bow that's at $9.90 to yep. try to hit that below $10 so if you can order a McSpicy meal right you can order our light bowl. So <laughs> we wanted to make it such that it's not an option where or I am I only the rich or the mm, high flyers mm. can be healthy. Yep. Uh but rather it is an option. It is something that you can choose and yep. really it is a choice like, about whether yep. you want to stay healthy or not. Yep. Um yeah, so that was the branding that my sister went with. Yep. Uh, at that point of time, we were so clueless that, uh, that we were trying, we bootstrapped the hell out of it that uh, we had $0 pumped into marketing except for $50 that went into our Facebook campaign. My sis had worked at Havas just before she left to come uh, to, to, to kind of like um, do the, the work prior to setting up Poketeri. Yep. So she had worked for, and she had done clients, big clients like yep. Canon, like uh, yep. BBS. But yep. these guys already had your like million over followers yes. on social media yes. platforms. Uh, this was us basically doing cookie all over again, yes. starting from scratch. Yes. Nobody knows us. Yep. No landlord would have taken us regardless of what rental we would have paid. That's why we were, we actually did not want to go into the CBD. We were looking to go into regional business hubs like uh, Fusionopolis, uh, Maple Tree Business yep. City, where yep. we wouldn't fight against the best of the best, like green traders, which yep. I was so afraid of. And Aloha, which also halfway through army, Aloha opened up and I thought, damn, there goes our first player's advantage. Yep. Yep. There yep. goes that whole like dream that I thought of. Mm. And then as the months came closer towards ORD, uh, and and um, so to get this, like one of the things that my mom told me uh, that was a prerequisite for her to lend me, to, to give me that final amount uh, for the business would be that because I have never worked in a company and I wanted to catch that almost like that first wave advantage, right? I would be a 22-year-old boss in FMB where everybody who is a, who is a boss is older, right? And everybody who you're going to hire is going to be older. Mm-hmm. So... One of the prerequisites, apart from R&D and showing her the business model and blah, 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 all these other things, would be having to get into OCS. So, came BMT where I was... Uh, oh, what? Shit, yeah, we were <laughs> yeah. caught. Like, I was caught a zero fighter because I couldn't do a single pull-up. Okay. So, I had to do that extra long... Uh, now in this time and age the the army people will never get it because they are doing a IPPT that's different from ours but oh, last time yeah, yeah. we had to do a minimum of five pull-ups otherwise you don't get your no a minimum of four pull-ups otherwise you don't get your silver yep. uh, and then you would have to do this extended IPPT yep. uh, extended BMT where instead of two months you are doing months. four months yep. yeah so I had to get into OCS, which eventually I chunked and then I did uh, from that zero pull-up. I made it into uh, full marks for my IPPT. And then after that, once I got into OCS, I backed my way at every single stage for that one-on-one session with my PC to get 
uh, an honest one-to-one session and tell him about my dream about opening Pocket Theory. And I already had Interesting. all these business plan things yeah. to show him. And I told him that, so as a future officer, one of our uh, core values is integrity, right? And you have to believe that I'm telling you the truth. Um, when I start my business, you are more than welcome to come down and have a bowl of me. And at every single term, the officer uh, basically put that trust in me. And essentially, I, what I landed at the end of this nine months of OCS was a stay out vocation as an officer. So what I was getting was that I could come into camp. I came into camp really early in the morning. Yep. Uh, let IPP, uh, let let uh, morning exercise for yep. my guys. Yep. Uh, and basically, by the time I I will clear all my paperwork and I was basically the DYS one, which means that I was in charge of manpower. Yes. So this also helped me prove to my mom that I knew how to handle uh, guys who were older than me, guys that were maybe more defiant. And it just so happened that I was handling the bottom 10% of Singapore soldiers. So troublemakers like, as a whole. And Your kind. <laughs> so my kind back then, and now learning how to control them. And, yeah. and you get um, a, a significant... Um, chunk of them who are applying in F&B as well mm. uh, you gotta learn I mean like sometimes when they want to go for their smoke break you gotta know what is the what is the thing that matters more to them uh, their, their term of speech you gotta learn it was you it gotta, challenging at first definitely like it was really putting me out of my comfort zone la. I mean the, the whole going to OCS thing was not something that was on my list for me I was um, if I get it, I get it. If I don't, yeah, like, yeah. why would I ha- like suffer so much? And then after that, that you your uh, you have to do twenty cycles of reservists compared yeah. to ten cycles. Yeah. Uh, you have to be active for ten more years as yep. compared to the regular so- soldier. And I cannot, I I cannot talking la. I cannot yep. go and like <laughs> fake an injury and then down pass all the way. I had to get my pass A and yep. then I had to. Do basically excel yep. in army. Yep. So I I did that and I basically landed um the the dream job like as a as an officer where after lunch with my guys I would head out to do either to go to DB to charge one guy mm. or I'll go to a court martial to uh basically represent one guy and I'll be done for the day by two to three p.m. Yep. You know, and I'll go back home. Yep. And then that's when I could start my R&D uh, and my research for the contracts, the NEA license, all the different licenses and, and, the, and the CPF and the hiring and yep. all those yep. that we had to learn within that 11 months of being an officer because that first 13 months, I was focusing on being an officer, uh, on trying to get to that officer level. Yeah. So after I got that 11 months, I knew that we w- were going to open our store immediately after at ORD. So I'm talking about like, literally there's a picture of me that I show at some seminars that I talk where I'm in my number four, uh, holding the key to our flagship store at Puntat, where I asked myself for permission because I, I mean, the agent was only willing to do it during working hours and I had to come out to go to the CBD Mm. in my army (laughs) boots and everything. (laughs) To basically open the door for the first time, you know? Yeah. So it was 
this incredible moment and then I remember planning it uh, and we basically renovation for the store started uh, when I was in my last month of uh, being a soldier. Oh, that must how, be exciting. Yeah, yeah, that's how like tight it was yeah. and how determined I was because the like at that one year mark where I just achieved uh, officer status and Aloha came out and they were killing it, getting good mm. reviews. Um, everybody loved what they were doing and everything. Uh, I was honestly quite badly beaten up because I was like, Wow, damn shanks, yeah. Like I just sacrificed the last year chunging so hard to get mm. fit and everything. Yeah. I mean, I was in poly and media and we didn't give two shits about being fit, <laughs> like, okay? Like poker we, sitting down. Yeah, yeah, we cared about like who was cool, who knew how to dress, yeah. who who was better at the art and, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Like nobody was caring about being fit. Yeah. Uh we weren't playing sports, you know, we were like doing film and we were doing like other pastimes that were more media related. Yeah. Um and, and I was downtrodden, but then as the months went by, we noticed a chink in their armor, which was branding. We realized that Aloha actually uh, was keeping their full-time jobs. So they are four bankers. Um, and what they were doing was that they hired their uh, full-time chef. Yep. They hired somebody to do their branding. Mm. They hired somebody to do their interior design. Uh, they hired somebody to do um, their social media. So we on the other hand had zero budget we were so broke that we literally could not put towels or a fall ceiling so what we have now that is our industrial look right which people thought was what we intended to <laughs> was actually because we literally had no money yep. to to do anything more yep. Uh, yep. what we had this faded look on our wall was actually us running out of paint. We painted it ourselves. <laughs> we ran out of paint and then decided not to spend any more money on it because it looked all right. We could not even buy the cheapest tables and chairs. We had to buy the cheapest bases, the cheapest uh, tabletops, and then we screwed them on ourselves. And we could not afford uh, a chef or a manager and then uh, that's how broke we were la. Like, yep. it was really really like madness and then on top of that we were doing our social media we were doing our HR we were doing all of this as first timers um, and it was amazing because amazing uh, when we were doing our social media strategy three weeks prior to that yep. uh, we had this first bunch uh, batch of photos it was about 12 photos, photos. that we released uh, no 14 photos which released uh, as teasers throughout yep. our three week as food porn they were super food porny looking it was sauce being drizzled on salmon and people were like oh my god this looks like really jizzy but tantalizing yeah uh, the surprise that came after everybody uh, after we unveiled it on the day of opening was that boom we're actually a healthy concept and here's our slogan it's banging food gone healthy and uh, we did not expect it I mean we ha we went viral on Facebook we went viral on Instagram and that was when we really knew that we knew our branding because 
uh, even before we had served our very first bowl, our very first customer, uh, and Aloha being one year into the business, yes. we already had surpassed them in followers on Instagram and followers on Facebook. Uh, and, and we had nobody who had tasted or shaped before. Yeah. So um, we did, we were nervous because on the, on the day before the first day, uh, we had 60 seats uh, in a unit that was way too big for what we wanted, but we had no choice because we were being turned down by every single mm-hmm. uh, REITs landlord anymore, any whatsoever. Uh, and it was only a private landlord in Teluk Ayer that was willing to take us in. And uh, he did not care about how the more tenant mix and all those was going on. Yep. Uh, he could not... Uh, get approval for alcohol license so he was limited as well yep. and uh, he probably wanted to keep it uh, like it was a it was a spin gym uh, it was a spin studio prior to us so he wanted somebody that was willing to completely demolish it all together yep. and then do it up uh, and, and therefore we struck a negotiation with him uh, and that was what landed us that unit which was literally walking distance from Aloha's uh, very first unit. Oh, wow. So super scary. Was it like, intentional? It was just no, like it was totally unintentional. <laughs> it was the opposite of like what we would have wanted. Yeah. And we were freaking the hell out. So the day before, I mean, yes, we had uh, we had gone to maybe like a thousand and a hundred shares on Facebook and then we had gone uh, with quite a, quite a lot of likes on our Instagram pages but that does not translate to yes. people com- com- coming down to yep. your shop uh, translate to actual customers you could just have people uh, liking yep. you could even have uh, our dear competitors just trying to fake hype us up uh, buying some likes for us yep. and then after that just setting us up for the biggest um, let down yeah let yeah. down on the very first day yeah. so, because it costs nothing to like Exactly, yeah. yeah. And and back then, um, we felt like we understood. My sis had come, just come out of Harvard yep. uh, and she specialized in social media. So mm. um, she felt like she knew what she was doing. That's why we didn't have to spend money. Yep. And I came out three plus years of being a food journalist. So I told my sister that, look, the best food journalists, you, you don't pay them actually. You go viral because if they are worth their salt in money, they cannot be not covering something that is going viral, mm. even if you don't pay them. Yep. So if they're going to be considered up to date with the latest yep. stuff, yep. right? they need to know what is going viral yep. and then they need to have Jump a review yep. regardless yep. of whether you pay them or not. Yep. And we did not have the budget to pay 4 to 5k for these Ooh. best... Uh, um, bloggers like yeah. back then it was, it was bloggers who were uh or, or these like e-magazines that were um, worth the most so i remember the day before where we were still cleaning the shop top to bottom three times ourselves tired as hell yeah and there i was in the back kitchen um cutting up uh our our Doing the prep, lah, basically yep. preparing the sauce. Yep. Uh, we back then we prepared the sauce on a on a daily basis, uh, because we did not know exactly how many customers we were gonna get. We had sixty seats. Was this the soft launch? Uh, on official official. This launch. was the official launch. So we made the mistake of not having a soft launch yep. as well. Yep. Uh, because 
we had rental going already yes. and we did not, did not have we also made the mistake where I did not know cash flow is the lifeblood <laughs> of your business yeah. so we did not have spare money mm. to go uh, your first month uh, of, of basically not uh, not going into business la. so it's red from the get go uh, we, we had to go black from the get go otherwise we are screwed mm. so Many, many mistakes. Honestly, like lucky, uh, but we also like to think that we did some things right. So uh, back to, we had 60 seats and based on my knowledge as a food writer, your first day, you are not going to even sell, you're not even going to sell 60 uh, bowls. You're not going to uh, do a full house uh, because nobody knows you exist and you're in yep. CBD and you're surrounded by the best of the best. You have your competitor, like, like yeah, down. exactly. <laughs> and it's Teluk Ae, where you have Lu and Behold, Unlisted Collection, yep. and it's a neighborhood that's, until now, infamous because if you're not good enough, it chills you up and spits you out so cruelly that I've seen people come in and go out within less than half a year. Ridiculous. Wow. Yeah, so it's really, really scary. Uh, and, and, and that's why... Uh, I, I was invited by uh, ESG once for a talk called Hard Knocks Real Talks uh, because they wanted me to tell the <laughs> real story and not the glamour yep. stories that you yep. see all the time in the media that they love to show yep. uh, that gives, gives all these kids these dreams the that false impression really yeah that business is oh you can do it as long as you really want to because it's not just about effort sure a lot of it is, a, is about your hard work and everything but there is a big factor of luck into it and there is a big factor about whether uh, you you manage to perceive things right so I told my sis we are 60 seats how much am I supposed to prepare for do we prepare less than 60 so that we don't make the mistake of over preparing mm. and a sashimi we're not going to keep it to the next day yep. uh, are we going to like basically throw away the excess and that's going to be very painful for yep. us because we didn't have the extra cash yep. or do we trust that we have gone viral we are going to have customers at least a full house um, and we prepare in excess so that we don't disappoint our customers and I don't know how we came to the to the decision but we chose the latter okay so we I actually prepared a hundred packs worth of uh, regular portion yep. bowls. Yep. And what happened was unforgettable, uh, unforgettable moment because I remember we had to reach there at seven in the morning. Yep. I started cutting the fish for the first three hours, a hundred portions worth. Uh, and then I had the sauce that I made it the night uh, before and the rice was done and I was cooling it off. Yep. And I was coming out with the very first batch of rice to, to speed up the, the cooling it down with the aircon outside. Yep. And as I walked out with the first uh, pot of rice, yeah. it was 10 in the morning. Yeah. Uh, we opened at 11. Uh, and there was a queue outside our door <laughs> out onto the road. And then our neighbors were wondering what the hell was going on because this does not happen in a CBD. Mm. Like lunch crowd starts at 12 plus in Telok Air. So what the hell was happening? And then we had like uh, our, our neighbors who we are now really, really good friends with. But back then, they they thought that we were just the noisy neighbors yep. and the kids who were just 
playing a fool uh they 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 thought we were some like loaded uh parents like, fun uh, yeah, business, like, yeah. like we just go there and then just like you know just doing doing it for fun yep. and 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 we had some dust coming out and they were scolding us for it and telling uh like chiding us and we were apologizing and then all, all of a sudden they were like holy holy crap like what have like who are these guys yeah. and why yeah. how did they do this yep. um so i remember that moment where i stopped at my tracks i looked at my sis she looked at me and first thing i said was you didn't tell me that we were supposed to that i was supposed to be prepared for more and then she said i don't know <laughs> and then we had this like neither of us could have yeah. predicted this yeah and and then we snapped out of it and then we were back to like okay we, we had our part-timers mm. whom we were training upstairs in rubble like i shit you not it, we had like a, a couple of tables brought up it was like literally a like there was rubble it was dusty and everything and we were teaching them how to play how to uh like build the bows the way that we wanted it to be yep. that rainbow look that was so instagrammable to make sure mm. that the bows are, are filled to the brim and then we garnish it and and all the answers that you have to know to reply to customers of our type and then uh yeah we we basically started uh i remember between 10 to 11 the queue got even longer and longer and longer <laughs> were you sweating buckets <laughs> oh, I never prepared enough. dude like i tell you we that was to date one of the most scary and exciting uh moments of my life because i was trembling with ex excitement and fear uh and I was the first person, I was um, the first person that the customers would meet because I was the guy who would scoop out the base and also take the order and uh, tell them about the different flavors of poke because I was the one who knew what was in the sauce. I was the one who knew how to answer the allergy questions the best. Yep. And I was the one who knew how to recommend uh, to customers yep. what, what to choose. Yep. Even like spicy, uh, how spicy are we talking about? Some expats would be asking some questions and all these. So we opened the door, right? And then after that comes in like, oh, the first queue. And then uh, we basically counted that hundred packs and then basically at about we lasted we sold out at 12 10 an hour an hour 10 minutes an hour 10 minutes yeah yeah um and we spent the next two hours uh my sis was at the door apologizing over and over to more and more people who were coming and then after getting disappointed that yep. they were not able to get their pokeball and then after that um, my sis was thanking them and just telling them to uh return tomorrow mm. and then we will uh like um you know like we'll, we'll make it up to you we'll let us know if, if you came the previous day and then we'll give you a free premium topping on the house yep. um doing her fantastic service recovery yep. and i was there at the back immediately trying to figure out how to put out job ads how to hire somebody because yeah, yeah. boom the first day sales was in and we were only doing cash and i had some money yep. to pay people to come in for a trial so it was a miracle because immediately within the first hour we paid 300 to get our first ad out on job street mm. we had the first few applicants come in 
uh, we these applicants there were two that came in with on the same day itself and then stayed with us until late night side by side with me and I was teaching them and what was actually we told them was their trial slash interview where they will be paid for yeah. was actually me getting back up to prepare more yeah, so yeah, that yeah. the next day we could sell more bowls. This is all right? within the same day? This is within the first day. Fuck. So we were there seven in the morning and yeah. then we left the shop at two in the morning. And yeah. one of the things that I learned from one of the previous places was to never ever mistreat yourself. So don't uh, tell yourself that you're only going to pay yourself a salary if the business is profitable because that means that you're not being realistic about your business because in the end somebody's going to have to take over you and that person's not going to work for free mm. so you are lying to yourself if you think that you don't have to pay for yourself right now so you need to include at least a market rate uh, service crews pay to yourself and that in turn would also make you uh, have more motivation because you can at least buy your own food, treat yourselves to, uh, you know what you would treat yourself or buy yourself for your very first paycheck. For me, it was a, it was a, it was a, a PlayStation. So, uh, for my sister, it was something else. I can't remember. Do you think it's a psychological thing? Like you, you, you said something very interesting. You only pay yourself if the business is profitable. Mm. And if you don't pay yourself, are you subconsciously telling yourself that hey, the business might not be profitable? Because profitable, it's quite subjective, isn't it? It it is basically telling yourself that look, this is just the start. Um, mm. I am going to be okay. This yeah. is this is normal. This is what everybody does. Yeah. Uh, when it, in fact, no, like every business pays their employees. Uh, yes, you may uh be right about the fact that not every business uh hits the ground running at the start, but eventually you have to pay yourself. So I wanted to make that decision from the get-go because we were fortunate enough to hit the ground running. Uh, Flying, I would say. <laughs> so basically, the first week, we made it. Uh, I remember this so clear. The first day, um, we our sales after 100 bulls was uh, 1,400. Um, day number two, with the help of my new kitchen aids. Within the first day? <laughs> uh, we, did, we did 2.2. Yeah. Um, day three we did uh 2.8 yep uh day four we had confirmed our first uh couple of full-timers and then at that point we had a more stable thing going on already uh we were still in the service uh line uh, but we had backup already uh day four thursday we were we 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 lasted almost an hour and a no, we lasted two hours at this point already. Uh, almost the full lunch shift. And, oh. we, and we did uh, 2.8. Yeah. Uh, and then on Friday, we hit, uh, the, we hit our record. Uh, also, because it was close, it was basically payday. Uh, a lot of people like to go to Talok IA on Friday because they, it's their it's treat. treat. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... For us, uh, yeah, we at that point we were having the most experience and the most manpower help already. We were uh, we already knew how to use our part timers. <laughs> After lunch hour, we had the whole assembly line, and then yep. okay, let's all cut salmon to this size together. Yep. Everybody pass. Okay, we move it into <laughs> this tub where there's is at the base, and then yeah, we yeah. had this like very cute assembly line thing yeah. going on lah. Yeah. Cherry tomato quartering and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. and then we hit. 
um, we hit the record on our first week on Friday of 3.6. And we were so happy. We were overjoyed. Yeah. Only to have our hearts smashed because um, one of our uh, interim employees, uh, at a point of time, it was still all cash. Yes. Right. So everything, it was oh, all cash. We didn't have a safe. Uh, my sis was holding on to the envelope of cash. Uh, she put it on the table for a while, and when when she turned to take her valuables, uh, her laptop, yep. uh, because she, she on the on the right home, she would basically be uh, responding to all the yep. customer posts and and yep. just doing her social media magic, right? Yep. Um, our interim manager stole the envelope of money. Everything. Three point six. Everything. <sighs> So and everything for that day. Everything for that day. And oh, it hurt so bad, right? Like Yeah. I think I can't remember if I did cry, but there was it was either a couple of tears came out or it was very close. Yeah. Cause it was trust, it was a lot of hard work. Yes. And it's just painful. Like, mm. it, it was very painful. Mm. Um, but he he was a bad egg. Um, yep. Our other two uh, full-time employees to this date, uh, one of them is still has progressed from being our first chef and now he's our head chef. So mm. he's like family to us. Um, and then our other uh, full-timer that joined after that has now um, upgraded all the way until she is our operations manager. So uh, we like to kind of like grow our team from the ground up and they grow with us. Uh, and we even do uh, uh, employee share options, uh, which is uncommon in... Uh, oh, so it's basically when uh, you allow your employees to uh, either purchase or you would uh, in the tech world you would you would basically give them uh, a little bit of shares at the start uh, in exchange for either no pay or a, a, a much lower mm. payroll uh, in the with the hopes of it becoming the next unicorn and then that 0.1 or 0.5% shares ends up becoming like big money uh, but for us in F&B uh, it's something that's very rare because normally uh, when you're profitable you don't want to be giving away shares already but mm. uh, we made that promise to our, our very first staff because we also didn't really know any better and we want to keep to our word lah. so um, yeah that, that that's our staff uh, or rather we like to call them our team lah, our, our family family yeah uh, yeah family and um, yeah for the first month yeah hell on earth like I, I wanted to ask like the first week is so momentous yes ups and downs what about the, the, the subsequent weeks yeah so we were supposed to open half day on Saturday we really just uh, put out a post and said that we are going to uh, call call it off and be yep. closed on Saturdays because we need to recalibrate a little bit uh, our ordering process, our our manpower, our everything, and then just think a little bit better about how to avoid all of these. Um, that that three point six was also something that something we didn't want to happen. Yep. We started uh opening up talks with banks. There were a lot of oh, all of a sudden. It's so funny when you are nobody and mm. then suddenly you become... Because uh, within the first week, we appeared. Uh, we started trending on the explore page of Instagram. So 
people were talking about us. And it's so funny how the landlords, right, at the step of a finger, they can just suddenly turn from the monster yeah. into this, oh, please, like, we'll offer you this, like, discounted uh, rental rate if you come into our, our mall and everything. And then at that point, we're just like, fuck off, you guys. Was like, it the same ones? Like, you wanted same, to get in before? The same ones. Oh, man. And look, we were, we were willing to pay, the rental we were willing to pay back then, which they rejected. And we even brought down a sample of our product for them to try, to try to convince them, even though we have no credentials. And after that, within a year and a half later, when they tried to woo us multiple times, right, they were trying to get us in at a third the rental. And we told them, fuck off. Because mm. honestly, we have learned that number one, we don't want to work with uh, basically two-faced people. Yep, yep. Uh, where, where, whether you're a corporation or whatever, but you have your upper management who, who issue out these instructions and tell you exactly who to reject from the get-go, whether you even take us for a ride, whether that that, that uh, first meeting and that trial was just a free lunch for you or whatsoever, yep. but it took money from us, it yes. took time from us, and, and it, it took a bit out from us when we were very tired back then. Um, and then now you're, you're trying to like suck up to us and we can see right through it. Like, and, and I particularly saw through it because also the friends who who did not, uh, the friends who were very quick to shun me when I was a bad student in secondary school and dropped out in JC, oh no. suddenly wanted to become friends. And oh then all of a sudden we're reaching out on social media and everything. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to, burn bridges the same way like I, I uh, would be as aggressive with the corporations but I I know better and yeah. and I, I I can never forget it la. like it was very very painful to have your friends just ditch you like really really ditch you uh, and yeah it was just something that stuck with me uh, it was a lesson learned and yeah after that um, when we Within the first month when we went viral, the first few email, uh, I mean, we started getting flooded with emails, right? <laughs> Banks started coming in. Yeah. Uh, we started, we got a safe, we got our credit card terminals, we got our uh, uh, DBS uh, RM came in and then, and it's very rare because normally they only give you an RM when you're doing uh, 10 million annual turnover per year. We were doing, uh, we were on track to a million plus, but they had their lunch there. And basically one of the the more tuapai, the, the the big shot guys saw potential and he was like, get an RM to reach out to them and we know that they are going to grow into mm. something. Uh and and we are very grateful for that. So we are very close with the uh with DBS to this date. Yeah. Um and and yeah, uh within the first month, along with all the enquiries that came in, came franchise uh enquiries. Mm. And then uh, me having not studied business whatsoever yep. and having no clue about what franchising was, I started uh, Googling. Yep. Start, uh, I went to watch the founder. Uh, what is I, the founder? Uh, the, the founder is a, is a story of McDonald's. So uh, it's, a, it's a great story for people that want to learn about uh, the success story about exactly how McDonald's came about yep. and how actually the real founder, the OG founders of McDonald's, actually didn't make off with a lot of money. Somebody else bought them over and knew how to turn it into mm. the monster that it is now. Yep. And they are the ones who are the billionaires, yep. multi-billionaires now. So um, 
uh, then we engaged a consultancy. We had venture capitalists uh, approach us. Just the whole gamut, run the whole gamut of it. Uh, just came in and then after there were so many things coming through our mind but we spent the first month still in operations making sure that our new hires were completely up to our level and exactly the one month mark we stepped out and we saw this whole like we thought that like okay we were stabilized yeah. and then once you step out of operations you see this whole other like chain of sh- like shitty problems that you need to fix that you only see when you can step out and and look at it as business owners what are some examples of that so one example is that when you're behind the, the counter right all yep. you see is ha- customers being happy yep. and your your counter looking nice and pretty yes uh what you don't see is what's happening at the at the tables whether people are dropping their food spilling sauces uh, whether people are going to the toilet, whether people may even be having access to your kitchen and stealing some things or... What? Yeah, that, that didn't happen. But the table part was something yeah. that was very eye-opening. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and being able to implement the CCTVs, uh, the insurance, uh, and, and, and learning about franchise, which I couldn't have done if I was in operations, yep. uh, was what was made possible like, when I stepped out and my sis was able to go so much deeper into her branding and everything um, when she stepped out as well. So that was when we had our first few franchisees to pick from. We started working, created the franchise model. Uh, I didn't learn law, but basically uh, drafted up the franchise agreements, the yeah. memorandum of understandings, the non-disclosure agreements oh, with the, the lawyers the together. Glossary. <laughs> the whole shebang. <laughs> I, I, I hate it. I mean, I like English. I hate yeah. law. Yeah. Uh, law isn't English. Law is on its, on its own thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was very painful, but yeah. it was something that I knew I had to do. Yeah. Um, learn about the finances. Yep. Uh, learn about the tax structure. Yep. Uh, my sister is not a numbers person at all. So I had to uh, go and do up uh, some finance related stuff. Uh, yeah, engage the bookkeepers. <laughs> Basically, we, we did everything. Like, and uh, start setting up that all the SOPs to yes. to make sure that apart from us, because we we gravi- we graduated from being behind the counter to being in our Harry Potter style uh, like storeroom, because it's three of us squeezed into literally the cabinet room under the staircase to the second level of the floor, so we are really. Three people sitting that time we got our first full timer uh to help out with my sister and uh a little bit on the admin side and we were the three of us were so cramped sit down that we had our laptops on our we had, we could not sit cross legged we had to have our legs we were hugging our legs oh, wow. and then after that legs out and then our laptops were on our thighs so we were doing our work there. Any part-timer tried to open the door, they could only open a crack because <laughs> then they would hit one of us yeah. <laughs> and then they would ask a question. And then after that, if one of us needed to jump out, we would jump out. If we could answer the question, we would answer the question. And then only after that, then we graduated because three months from then was when my, uh, three months from the opening, yep. which was in around end September, yep. uh, that was when my sister flew to Melbourne. 
And then uh, I started working uh, more independently. Yep. My sister started working from overseas, but always flying back every two to three months. And I told her that like, look, now the company is going to pay for your flight. So there's no reason why you're not going to come back and, and see your brother and, and our family's not going to drift apart. And yep. and it, it was it was the dream. Like, it was one of the main reasons why we wanted to do the business together. Yep. Um, and I told her, you have no excuse because right now I handle the numbers and we can <laughs> afford it so as long as you're willing to to sit on a plane for us right yep. we very much love to take turns to you know go over to find you and you come back to find us and then like my last birthday she surprised me uh and and it was great uh. so so we we are still very tightly knitted we still talk on a daily basis um even now when uh she uh has her first kid yep. and and I am now an uncle uh we 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 basically still uh talking every day yep. and our our family our our team our extended family our team cares as much for my sister and her new baby um the same way that a family would so yep. um yeah after that uh we took about a year and a half to uh, get our first franchise outlet up and then from there it was bang 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 like, was that really fast in, in terms of uh, uh, in, in the business for a year and a half to get the first franchise because it seems really fast for me yeah mm. yeah. Um, here's the unique thing because in the F&B world uh, nobody to date nobody uh, that I know of and at that moment when we had started the model uh, nobody had done the model that we had done which was immediately you only do franchise everybody will want to expand to the best spots that they have first the ones that they know are sure wins before they take the 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 question mark locations that might be a gamble and then they franchise because you are letting somebody else put their capital in and then letting them take the gamble could you explain what's the difference between expansion and franchising? Okay, so the difference is that when you expand yourself, you are going to be putting in your own capital mm. to do up the whole thing with yourself. Uh, but all the profits are yours. Mm. When you do franchising, somebody else is basically, it is essentially somebody looking to get into the F&B world but is not confident enough to start up their own brand name or they feel that uh, they will have a better shot at it uh, franchising a brand. So for example, uh, if you really have a lot of money, you will franchise McDonald's. You will see, let's say, uh, Pongo, you know that, wow, there's a lot of BTOs coming up and then McDonald's is just going to be uh, like and a it's a lacking there. one there. Yeah, and yeah. then you you do it there. But when I, when I say you need a lot of money, it's because uh, owning a single McDonald's franchise uh, cost you over a million dollars. Wait, wait, owning the franchise or having the, the outlet? The outlet plus the rights for McDonald's. Mm. And this is just for a, a, a term of 10 years, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, you have all the way to the to the smaller boys where you have us, where all in, you, you would not require more than 200K, yep. uh, which is already less than what you would if you were to try to do your own F&B point blank, let alone franchise. Yep. So it becomes very attractive to people because we have a very lightweight model. Yep. Uh, we have uh, owners, founders who are still super hands-on and doing it as a full-time job. Uh, and 
and they trust us lah because when they reach out for uh, of course when they reach out to franchise we are not the only brand realistically speaking they are reaching out to Yakun they are reaching out to Sapinos mm, and mm. all the other old chunky all of them but what they get is they get either uh, automated response to fill up a form or they get uh, a business development person replying never the founder mm. but from day one to now I meet every single inquirer whether they're serious or they're not uh I meet them for Why? the first time because I feel that it gives them that confidence. It gives it really like I don't joke when I say that I walk through this entire path with you from the whole bargaining of the landlord because we went through that pain ourselves to even explaining all of these uh first timer business man thing yep. because I've been through it all and I understand it. Uh, I don't want to be to 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 pass off as condescending because we are not anywhere near that size where I start delegating something as important as this to uh, 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 another staff. Um, and I think it has worked lah because uh, we have had our franchisees tell me after that that the reason why they chose us uh, is because of the fact that I was like they were shocked. That, it's very that, personable, isn't it? Yeah, like I, I can tell them, you ask any question and I don't, I don't tell you, let me go and check with my finance, let me go and check with my ops manager, let me go and check with my HR because everything we did up from scratch. And then after that, we thought yep. other people. So um, they get very, um, they get very comfortable knowing that uh, and and then of course the cost is an added factor yeah. uh, the fact that uh, there's no saturation in uh, or we are not at that point of saturation right now uh, the fact that as as of now we we are the poke brand with the most outlets um, and and yeah like there's there's quite a few different reasons but uh, we have even proven um, franchisees uh like we are franchisees to to prove to you yep. that our numbers are accurate yep. and that you can really uh do good money like as it's long a winning as, formula yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a winning formula as long as you put in the hard work uh and you know that it is hard work which i will not lie to you from the start yeah uh good money f for good work yep. because otherwise if it's not if it's not good money, yeah. it wouldn't be good work, right? Like if, if, if money is so easy to come along, uh, everybody would be rich, right? Uh, if you want to go for much safer things, yeah. uh, then you would have to do a lot less work. Like you yeah. just invest in, in Sintel or any dividend the, bond. the law of the world, yeah. Yeah, so, so um, that those economics, we try to to walk them through. Yep. Um, and, and that is my full-time job. So, so to me, I don't think it's fair for me to, for my sis, as she still does almost uh, a one-man show up until recently when uh, she started getting uh, into a final trimester and then now the baby is out. Oh. Uh, she was a one-man show, taking the photos, doing the copywriting, yep, doing the yep. service recovery, everything. Uh, and I feel like I need to equal uh, what she's doing, yep. especially because I'm the one in Singapore and I'm capable of doing it. So all the like extra HR stuff, the finance, the business expansion, especially um, that's the part that we're all banking on, right? And the whole reason of getting the business to a stage where my sister will be able to um, watch her kid uh, do, um, like witness those uh, 
important moments, important moments yeah. of uh, her first kid uh, would be to get our business to that level yep. fast enough. Yep. Uh, so the onus is on me. La. So yep. uh, for me, it was very important uh, to try to get the success rate as high as possible. And that uh, would be as simple as meeting them myself, spending the time with them, yep. letting them try the food, uh, and also filtering out the franchisees to make sure that we have as high a success rate as possible. Uh, not just people with money to throw, but people mm. who are willing to work hard that will uphold our brand integrity. Uh, what do you look out for? We look out for people who uh, have their main attention on this business. We don't look out for people who have the money to throw and open four or five outlets. I don't want your extra money uh, for four or five outlets. I want your attention. Uh, I want you to understand that uh, this is our everything and that uh, upholding the brand also means that you are doing good for us as well as the other franchises. So oh. it is fair game for everybody it's because web, yeah. if the brand goes down right it goes down for everybody else yep. as well so we cherry pick to make sure that we don't get franchises that are troublemakers franchises that uh, end up uh, doing things uh, the wrong way uh, we do our, our own audits as well to, to prevent that uh, we invest in digital solutions to prevent uh, any hanky-panky from happening as well um, and, and just as much as possible to make the business model as bulletproof as possible and as simple so that even when we tell them that we're looking for uh, a boss who is willing to put in the hard work of course anybody who's going to invest a six-figure sum does not expect to, to be hands-off hands off but also not hands on to the point where they are working their ass off every single day they're looking for that middle ground you know so i i just want them to be able to achieve that level where at least they care about um their outlet but at the same time they don't have to go in all the time they can understand mm. their business from the weekly meeting updates communications that we send out uh the whatsapp groups that we have uh the fact that we are i am available 24 7 whenever you want to call me um the fact that uh we i am doing the negotiations trying to push uh the cost of goods as we grow in size as we grow in quantity because yep. we have such a streamlined menu right yep. we get better prices as we grow in size yes. so i'm improving the business model over and over and uh refining the numbers even more uh so that everybody gets uh you know their their reward yep. for kind of like putting their trust uh and their mark of faith in us yep. especially that very first you fran uh those very first you fran uh, franchisees yeah yeah so um the the trade-off is that for them they put in the capital for franchising for us we can only charge them a percentage of the sales so the great spots that we know that are going to be killer uh, for example in cbd we know as a proven because we've done it at Buntat, right and we know that profit margin is going to be at x amount at royalty is only going to be half that amount but there's the pros and cons because you're not putting mm. the risk on the line uh franchise fee is uh there, there's two sources of revenue so one is royalties and one is franchise fee yep. franchise fee is uh money in the pocket it's a fixed amount yeah immediately yeah so uh that to me gets me and my sister to uh, our short-term goals 
uh, for, for her is because she really uh, was migrating and therefore putting the down payment for a house yep. uh, already had a timeline for a kid so now is trying to get to a house that is closer to the city so that her kid has a uh, is closer to a better school yep. and then uh, my brother-in-law is closer to, to his workplace yep. and all these dreams uh, that my sister has um, yeah just wanting to achieve them lah. so yeah um, yeah, uh, we chose this franchise-only path, which has never been done before because uh, all your older Taukis, they keep the best for themselves. Then after that, once they have a lot of outlets ready and everybody think that, wow, I cannot go wrong with a Yakun or cannot go wrong mm. with like a, with like a old Chunky, right? Then they give you these uh, locations that uh, you can choose from. And it becomes more of a gamble. Lah. Whereas for us, we literally only choose the spots that we we ourselves would put the money in ourselves. Um, it's prime just locations. That, yeah, prime locations. Uh, we even put a cap. So right now, as of now, we only have... Uh, we have six operating outlets. Seven, eight, and nine is confirmed. Uh, the moment renovation is is uh, allowed, commercial renovation is allowed, they'll be done up and we will be up to nine outlets. And then we will only allow one or two more outlets before we stop for Singapore because we do not want it to get saturated. We do not want our franchisees to start getting their own sales cannibalized yep. just because we get greedy because we want more franchise fees and then we want to literally... Dig every single dollar because it's not right. These are the people that put in the money initially that we did not have um, to grow our business and allow us to catch up to, to Aloha. Uh, even though we we had that trade off in terms of like profits versus um, risk. Yep. Um, yeah, they they were the ones who got us to a even faster running pace than we were at the start. Um, yeah, and after that allowed us to. Uh, reach that point quickly and then now we are already into uh, Indonesia so we have a first store in Indonesia um, we have signed uh, and are looking to expand uh, quite aggressively after COVID has returned life to normalcy uh, yep. in Indonesia uh, and we also are part of the Commonwealth Capital Portfolio which uh, other brands involved inside there are like uh, Soup Spoon others uh, Swiss Bake uh, Baker and Cook, uh, all these uh, are stalwart brands, and we are kind of like the new generation brands. Like these are brands that, oh, they have at least ten above ten outlets. Some of them. What does it mean to be inside that? It means of? number one having big brothers, uh, which we never had. It was always trial and error. Uh, painful lessons that we had to learn along the way yeah. such as that that theft um, we had uh, other forms of betrayal from some employees and uh, via contracts uh, we had uh, some missteps when it came to uh, some uh, grant claims uh, and financially knowing what are the better decisions because Commonwealth Capital uh, the founder uh, his very first brand is Pasta Mania so the guy has been in the business been around for yeah. like it's a lot of people's childhood like like uh, teen years yeah, yeah like I mean he's been around and has franchised to many different countries for uh, more than two decades so he has a wealth of knowledge uh, he is 
the vice president of the Restaurant Association of Singapore. Uh, he is the vice president of the of Enterprise Singapore. And therefore, for him to be my almost like my my mentor now, uh, and I want to do good by him because he has put that faith in me. Uh, I want to bring in the next generation of uh, young F and B brands into his uh, portfolio. Yep. Refresh that brand. Uh, re- 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 sorry, I mean refresh his company because I think he has that previous generation of brands yep. done. Yep. Uh, and then we are, spoon, yeah, pasta mania, yeah. yeah. So uh, I told him that I can herald in this new wave of youngsters, la, young brands uh, that have that potential and you put in their faith. Mm. And honestly, it's a, it's a small check for him for uh, to, to, to be able to buy some equity. And um, for us, it also meant being able to uh, have uh, a, a little bit of equity sold <clears throat> so that puts a valuation on our brand. Yep. Uh, it he also asked us very kindly because many investors can can almost like strong arm you into mm. exactly what kind of terms and conditions they want. But uh, for him, he was the very first guy, and he floored me. Okay, because uh, at I I crashed a meeting of his. I did a ten minute elevator pitch after a year of trying to reach out to them, uh, and then after that I won a, a morning coffee with him the next morning, mm. and then um, the very next morning I went maybe about 20 minutes in, non-stop rambling with a slideshow telling him <laughs> how much money I'm going to make him and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then he stops me and asks me this question, which all the private equity, the VCs, the the investors before that we had ever talked to had never asked me before. And he was just saying, he said, Joey, you've spent the last 15 to 20 minutes telling me what you can do for me. I want to know what I can you want and what I can do for you. And I almost cried, like right there and then I almost cried. Cause, and you can tell, like I went silent cause nobody cared mm. about us like in that way. Yep. We've always had to care for our own team and rightfully because we are the bosses, but we've never had that big boys. We've always had- Who had your back. Yeah, yeah. And, and and this this is a guy who is a, I won't even say is a one in a million, like this is a one in a billion guy. Yeah. Um and and he is um somebody who bam 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 I tell him the, the numbers and the time, everything, and he puts that faith and he within ten minutes later tells me if I take out my checkbook right now and I write you a check to match exactly what the previous private equity uh guy who had put a valuation on us and wanted uh, uh, a chunk that a was too big chunk, yeah. for my liking yeah. uh, at this amount, would you take it? In my head, it was an immediate yes. But I, I told him that out of respect, uh, I need to consult my other business partner and I need to inform uh, this other party that we've been talking to for almost a year already. Yep. But boom, in a flash, a month later, yeah. I have, it's a photo on my Instagram, uh, me, my sister and him. I have a, I think like a, like a caption with, and it's a photo that probably has the most likes in my, uh, in my, in my Instagram, uh, that was a very, almost like a, like a letter to myself. Yeah. Mm. Um, 
to the people that trusted me. Yeah. The friends, the customers, the myself. Yeah. And yeah, like never forget this moment because this is the first big step that went right. And then from there, uh, we are you know, going to do things more, more yep. right. La. Yeah. So um, right now, basically every quarterly, I have a financial board meeting. And that means that uh, I have somebody who also doesn't allow me to, to go slacking off. I have somebody who also tells me what is the right thing to do, yep. what is not the right thing to do, especially during this COVID period when uh, I, I tell him that honestly, um, I, I don't want to profit. Like I want to make sure that all of my franchisees don't die. And I want to be able to sustain the pay of my staff who are willing to still stay by us. Yep. And it's not about profiting. I want to give a discount on the on the varieties uh, all the way up to 75 or beyond 75% even if I have to, just so that they can stay alive. Uh, and he tells me that he's behind my decision. And that's why I say that he's somebody who you cannot find la. like to, to me out of all the investors that I've spoken to you, you you find investors that are always crunching you for profit and they don't mm. think about values so he's a Christian a very very uh, staunch staunch Christian yep. yeah three uh, four 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 out of five weekdays he does uh, I don't know what you call it quiet time and uh, uh, meditation no, um, he invites his church uh, cell group over, yep. yeah, for yep. for um, times and and for a meal and everything. So it's amazing how he can juggle family and work and be so wildly successful. He always uh, attributes it to doing the right thing, and the right thing will be done to you. Uh, and he uh, believes that he believes very strongly in God because he also was in that. Uh, he very narrowly he missed uh, that flight. No, it was once an SQ flight to Taiwan that uh, crashed. Whoa. Uh, and then after that, uh, almost everybody on it uh, died. And he missed it because it of something. Dead. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it's he, 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 because of that, as well as a lot of other things, uh, the success that he yep. had when he cashed out before he went into F&B and Pasta Mania and all those, uh, he is very Christian. Yep. The reason why he even went into the Pasta Mania investment was literally because uh, there were two missionaries or people there were two businessmen who wanted to be missionaries and they felt like they had a calling from God and he, uh, he uh, the, the the big boss of uh, Commonwealth Capital is called Andrew Kwan so he felt that uh, it was God's calling and that he could not if it was within his capacity he could not uh, like almost prevent these guys from going to be missionaries so mm. he took uh, over the business even though he had no prior knowledge whatsoever uh, on F&B yep. and then he actually made it into a booming business yep. and then now he's like it's a full-blown conglomerate like conglomerate is yeah, word, yeah, yeah yeah he, I mean he has a six store six story building that is the best that I've seen by far in Singapore la. yeah so I, uh, he, I have a very interesting question um Whatever Dave have went through with Apoke Theory, do you think it's something that could be learned in school? That's part A. Part B is morality and business isn't always talked about together. Mm. In fact, you hear more about 
people doing unscrupulous things in business, people being ultra competitive to the point where they want to dominate, they want to basically exterminate the competition, you want to be the top. Where or who inspired you to have your own moral compass within the business? Because it's it's easy to 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 have a high morality when the business is doing well. Mm. It's easy to 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 treat your employees good. It's easy to 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 pay your vendors on time if everything's going well. But when things start to dip, let's say during this particular period, which is COVID, a global pandemic, how do you uphold these? Uh, moral values that it seems that you from 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 whatever you just said it seems that you really really value the trust that people are willing to give to you even at the beginning when you had nothing because you 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 bring up the the, the customers that came how the 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 service that you try to return to them you try to give them, you try to see them more as just customers they're more than just paying customers yeah so i'm just curious to get your thoughts on it um okay so for the first question uh is this something they can learn in school i think if they were to call in more guest lectures <laughs> uh then technically yes uh i think if they were to hold more smu does this really good job where they uh host uh this thing called parks challenge where it's like parks a challenge. yeah because uh, it's, it's sponsored by this uh alumni called uh mr park uh where he gave a million dollars uh, for them to start this club called the Eagles Club, and the Eagles the Eagles Club started this uh, entrepreneurial uh, competition where it's like Shark Tank. If you've mm. ever heard of yeah. the show, yeah. So it is a stepping stone, and the top prize, if I remember right, is fifty k in cohort cash for them to kickstart their business. So if the school does more of this, and I see my own. Uh, my own uh, alma mater, uh, Nian Poly, uh, they have called me down to be the judge uh, for their version, just like uh, SMU had called me down to be the judge uh, twice as well. Yep. Uh, they are starting to do their own version where they called it... Oh no, I'm supposed to remember my own body, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's called something like... Uh, if you Google it, I'm sure yes, you can find so, it. So it's a SMU. Uh, no, it's a Nian Nian uh, Poly. Okay. Nian Poly uh, entrepreneurship challenge yep, yep. where they do a, a poly level, uh, where the top prize is a much smaller amount of three k, uh, but it still allows people to. It might not allow you to get even a seed project off the ground unless it is something that is small, but uh, it rewards you and makes you think more about business. Uh, otherwise, at the SMU level, that one uh, really can yep. can uh, kickstart. Yeah, kickstart and help you bootstrap a business. As for everything else, honestly, I think five to ten percent yes, ninety ninety five percent no because. None of the things that I learned in in science, uh, in literature, history. I mean, I'm 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 no good at this still. Like history, I'm terrible at it. Yep. Uh, I have to ask my friends who, <laughs> uh, who all the time about 
all the stuff that I was supposed to know back in uh back in history and back in geography lessons and yeah, yeah. and all that. And and they always used to uh laugh at me about 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 math because A math I used to do really bad uh mm. in JC. Yeah. Um, my E math was still okay. But then now because of the amount of math that I deal with, uh like quick math yep. uh and simple math that you deal with in real life terms, right? Uh yeah, the jokes are, the joke has been on them a few times already. So mm-hmm. uh, every time I always tell them, remember the time when you used to <laughs> yeah, just run with it a little bit <laughs> when I can. Yeah, but um, I I, I really asked the question because um, having gone through the education in Singapore, both of us, um, I I remember classmates because I'm from a design course, mm. and it's almost as though if you do a design course, you are kind of expected. To be a designer mm. if you go to an engineering course that is kind of like your path mm. but it's very interesting because most people make their decisions at 18 yep at 18 can you imagine your life right now being where you are because it is so vastly different mm. yeah giving telling someone that that is your set path at 18 some even 17 i think it is a it's quite an enormous decision for a 17 year old to make Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, for starters, that's why I actually, at 17 and 18, I wanted to be a writer. So it was only at uh, 20 when I uh, made the decision that I wanted to go into food business. In the Brunei jungle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know food. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, fuck. Okay, like, go greens. Okay, like, poke, like, poke. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was, it was uh, realistically speaking, honestly, it was when I already did that home-based business with Cookie, uh, felt like I could do it. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, tasted Poke because I had that opportunity to go to LA thanks to my school sending me there. Uh, and just having the that whole blend of everything just lined up because I had that full journalism and I had interviewed the right people and I had all the, the enough knowledge to get you off the ground and then my sister had the right knowledge to to uh, to, to click with uh, what I had so that we don't we, we know like we are very compatible we don't compatible. Uh, I, I don't step on her toes in her few expertise and uh, vice versa yep. and that's how we end up being able to work uh, great a lot of people say like oh working with family isn't it very scary mm. and yes definitely there have been fights that have been very fierce at the start but then you realize that it's a lot about communication and a very healthy way to work is knowing that she does what she does because she's better at me at it so mm. When a mistake happens, going with the mentality that, look, even if I were to have done it, I don't think I would have done a better job. Like the mistake would have been worse. So this was a mistake that we were going to go into either way. And we should focus on getting the better out of it rather than focusing on whose fault it is and vice versa, where she knows that um, she's not good at numbers. So if I do make a numbers mistake, I am trying my best. Uh, And if I make a mistake, I make a mistake and after all we are trying our best and we are siblings and um there was once where uh because uh there was once where we were in quite a heated fight uh where there was 
business related stress uh, mm. to my sister's wedding and yep. then after that uh, my sister's uh, was closer to my mom whereas I was closer to my dad so when the divorce happened my sis was not happy of my dad and my sis is the more tempera- tem- temperamental one so uh, I was literally 10 minutes in time where I stepped out of the shower I saw the WhatsApp the, the battle going on between my father and my sister on WhatsApp mm. and I stepped in and I texted both of them individually to stop and I called them uh, and it was at that moment where literally if I was 10 minutes too late, uh, I would have probably been the one walking my sister down the aisle because my dad would have been at, at the wedding. That's oh. how hard they can fight. Yeah. And at that moment, after I spoke to my dad uh, and I called my sis and we had a very like emotional uh, <laughs> conversation once again, yeah. I screamed at her and I told her, like she said, it's her wedding and she... She's one of those girls la, that really like dreams about the wedding yep. and everything has to be perfect. Yep. Yet she's a perfectionist about her work. Yes. And she was working all the way to right before the wedding. And I screamed at her this one line. I told her, if we have to shut the whole business down right now and walk away with nothing, but we still get to keep uh, our debt, and you still stay uh, a daughter to my dad because we know that at the end of all of this, mm. after all of this shouting, right, you both are that kind. Between in our family, me and my mom are the more level-headed. Mm. They are the more emotional ones. Um, at the end of it, they're going to regret. And mm-hmm. I know this. So I screamed at her and I told her that if it comes down to it and you tell me that the business is what is causing this stress and all, all of it, we can shut the whole business down right now and have it be nothing if it means that our family doesn't get torn apart yep. any, any further. Yep. Yeah. So that was the kind of like the line that... Yeah. At uh, the end of the day, the family is the nexus of mm. you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know how I got off topic to this, but... Yeah, and then uh, the school doesn't really prepare you a lot for 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 this. <laughs> uh, it doesn't prepare you for this. Uh, the 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 working and the difficulties that come with uh, the stress of work. Yep. Um. So I think the school can do a better job by having more sharings. Yep. Where 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 people like us will be more honest, yep. and and children will be listening about this and knowing what is there to come so that they can kind of not get too excited and not lock themselves in for decisions that uh, they may need to make when they're more mature. Yep. It's the same reason why you see more than 50% of people actually now what they're doing in work is not what they studied because exactly. yep. the, the government is trying to make them make these difficult decisions when they are too young and with not enough knowledge. So either you make them make the decision later, which could mean that we end up with a less skilled workforce and uh, that's going to be dangerous because we only have manpower and we have no natural resources. Otherwise, the other way is to, to, to switch the curriculum up a little bit more, get more real life sharings in. Yeah, so that's um, my answer to question number one. Do you one. believe in failing to succeed? Um, because it, yes, it feels yeah. as though... 
it, it's funny because um, I had a conversation previously with uh, the people who, who who ran this group called Life Beyond Grades. Mm. As the names suggest, they are big advocates about not pegging uh, children to their grades, to the grades they get. And the very interesting thing about, uh, I guess, uh, success, uh, success in general, success can teach you some things. Conversely, there are some things that you cannot learn with success. You mm. have to learn by failing. Mm. And that is where the paradox, I guess, in Singapore, in a very pragmatic society, kind of lies. Yep. Because I guess you're kind of viewed up, uh, you're kind of brought up, and you're kind of conditioned to think that, hey, failure is either an uh, or be all, it's something to avoid at all costs and you try your damnness to avoid failure in any forms, mm. however you choose to see it. Mm. But it has, been, it has been written, it has been said many times that success is a combination of success, small success, and failures. And failure is the, 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 the key thing that we are not, I feel that we are not accepting, we are not learning from it. Yeah. I feel that Definitely, um, I, I I definitely believe in failing to success uh, and to succeed because you learn the best, right? When you fail, you you learn from your mistakes, and if everything is going hunky dory, when will you ever learn mm. that you need to you know put in that extra hour? You need to put in the extra grease work, um, and 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 just switch it up a notch, like if you're if that's required for you to succeed, um. But I think what stands in our way, honestly, is a lot of pride. Uh, and that does, isn't helped by the media glamorizing it. Because a lot of people want to only show, uh, you know, the achievements and, and, and the nice things. And they uh, are never... They're, 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 it's toxic in that way where um, people are almost addicted to uh, and 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 I'm I mean like I myself am guilty of this and and yeah. uh, we are are constantly trying to to change but it's been almost kind of drilled in us that yeah. like uh maybe it's an asian thing mm. but you know you 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 keep your dirty laundry yep. at home yep. um you don't air it out yeah. uh and then that bleeds out into the way that we see life and the way that we see work and the way that we see career. It kind of colors your perception of things. Yeah, like it's always a work in progress. Yep. Like life... It never ends. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I've, the, during this COVID, the e-learning, I've seen like 60-year-old uh, guys on, on e-learning looking to improve them, themselves. And, and they really... Um, they really hum humble me down uh, and make me realize that you know you're, you're never going to know everything and you can never tell yourself to switch off that you know everything um, so don't and um, don't be afraid to to let people know because in the end when when people know that you need a little bit of help um, your friends want to help you contrary to to, to what most people would believe. And I uh, went through this myself because I also, um, during my time of difficulty when I was having a lot of personal stress, I chose to hide it rather than let my friends know mm. um, be because I wanted to paint this picture that like, oh, I was doing fine, just like the business and, and there's no problem. And my sis taught me that, look, 
think about it this way. If you saw your friend hurting and um, they told you that they were hurting and you knew that they were hurting, would you stand there and judge them or would you go there and help them? The latter, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it hit home with that. I mean, my sis is great at this. Uh, that's why she's the, <laughs> she's the, she's the one that... You out, yeah. she, hit, she hits me in these one-liner like... <laughs> And your tears come out. Yeah, like like I I I hit Nirvana for a few seconds. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, she 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 tells me these things like, and and I feel the same because if you were to tell people that um like business and you struggle with it or this job and you, and you struggle with it or even financially and you're struggling with it. If, if if any of my friends were to tell me that like I want to help them I want to give them advice I, I wouldn't want to be laughing at them mm. um, if they needed money I wanted to be there to lend it for yep. them uh, and, and hope that they don't cheat me I, I have done the same for for my own my own um, team slash staff as well wow. and I have had some of um, I mean like a couple of them who have cheated me I mean the, the first week we already were <sighs> Um, dealt that very yeah. heavy blow you could have went a very different path yeah. just because of we that we could alone. have gone into the mode of vengeance right yes. and and just no trust whatsoever yeah. but we still choose to go uh, after that we had an even more painful experience where uh, I had employees uh, at Alter Ego or uh, that gastro pub um, employees who I felt that I had done personal favours uh, where they requested for a full month salary upfront. I told them that I can't do it from the company, but I'll do it with my own personal money. Um, I I went ahead and did it, and then they returned it, and they thanked me, and all was good. And I thought that like, okay, so we are, you know, we are closer than just work acquaintances. Yep. We are not just boss and employee. Yep. Um, then after that, when they are when when eventually they wish to move over to somewhere else for a better pay or something, which is totally not, I don't blame them for it. It's it's normal in the in the job world. They I don't know whether it's their own research. I don't know whether it was in their own plan. I don't know whether it was somebody in their new company that taught them, but they exploited um, a, a mistake that we had in our. Uh, manpower contracts that we did not uh, learn about yet and basically took it to tri uh, tri tripartite of manpower uh, who knew that we were the ones that were getting totally ripped off by our own, our own employees but this is the law and we lost my sis cried when she talked to them because we lost 18,000 yeah to two employees after is it because of the incident where you no it was it was um, they they left and then very shortly after that we received a letter from uh, tripartite and then uh, it was basically long story short um, on a contract when you put the basic pay the basic pay always uh, accounts for 44 hours a week uh, you have some Malaysians uh, who are keen to have OT. So they want to be promised OT. So sometimes when they have this and they want, let's say, 55 uh, work hours a week, you have to work in and you have to keep to that promise. Yep. So uh, we go ahead and then we put, okay, 55 work uh, weeks per uh, work hours per week. And then 
uh, it's at pay X. But here's the thing. In MOM's logic, that pay X, regardless of whether you put over there, and they assign on that page, and you assign on that page that is for 54, uh, 55, 55 uh, yeah. hours a week, that X pay, that basic pay is only for 44 hours a week. So what was missing, and 11. they had it, I mean, uh, they had the payroll that showed that we only transferred X amount, yep. uh, nothing more. Yep. What was missing was every single week, 11 hours of OT at 1.5 times of yep. their hourly pay, yep. we did not pay them Yep. for over a year. Yep. You add that up and then that was the 18K. That was and a major setback and it wasn't even intentional. It wasn't even like... Uh, we. Like you're twirling a moustache and exploiting them. It, 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 it just is. Yeah, like Jeez. honestly, even them wanting the extra hours, right, came at an extra cost because it's at 1.5 times pay. But they were, I mean, Malaysian employees and um, we wanted to keep a certain balance in the kitchen. Um, and, and, and we just wanted... My head chef was a very rock and roll head chef, lah. So he he liked that mean? <laughs> he he liked blasting rock music. He liked guys, and he liked guys who were okay with that. Yeah. Okay, he them, uh, really like um the the softer guys. He didn't really like the strawberry generation. Yep. Uh, so he took to Malaysians who were into OT a lot. He loved the ones who were willing to put in the extra elbow grease. He loved the ones that were very, very hardcore and can tank the, like, even you need even more OT, we're there for like you, boss. super work ethic. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and hungry la, for, for, for that money. Um, and with the personal favors that we had done, it was the last thing that I expected from them. So when it came, um, for me... I at a point in time it, I, I I was a bit numb la. my sis tried to do a phone call to them telling them asking why they were doing it and then telling them not to do it because they could still pull it uh, back and when my sister cried on a phone call uh, they almost changed their mind and then after that you she said she heard their voice harden up again almost as though there's like somebody whispering in their ear don't like it's a lot of money like we can, you know, what, and then go and like have a ball of a time with it, do it, and then you sure we done, and then the he hardened up his voice and said that no, he was going to going to do it, and then we lost that amount. Mm -hmm. So it was it was very painful because um we we gave them bonuses uh over ourselves in the first year, mm. um we we did everything right by the mm. book. But still, sometimes you yeah, have, have people that uh, the school doesn't teach you about. Uh, yeah. um, which kind of ties into that moral value part. Yep. Um, where do I get the moral compass? I would say... I wanted to ask if you're religious. Oh, um, so I'm Christian, but... The Only funny, on the weekends. <laughs> uh, no, I am a. Uh, what is the term for it? A uh, uh, passive or or uh, unactive Christian. Yep. Uh, I I basically don't go to service every Saturday. Yep. Um, I believe that 
my relationship with God as something that is personal. Uh, I don't need to go X amount of time, spend X amount of time with my cell group to prove it to my shepherd or my leader yep. uh, how into the church I am. Uh, likewise, I also, I don't need to give X amount of money. Uh, I don't want to ask for X amount of money as justification about how much you care for the church and therefore God. Yep. I believe it's all a very personal thing. Yep. Uh, and as does my sis. Uh, this also compounded with the fact that when I was in my most Christian of Christian years, it was during uh, my sec two to sec four years when wow. my results were terrible. Uh, and my own cell group, as my mom was telling me, take your Saturday to study. Uh, as much as I hated studying, uh, my cell group leader would tell me, put your faith in God. Mm. Uh, even if your parents are angry, uh, God will be happier that you go to worship him and it is for the greater good. And I just, I mean like, the, the divorce had happened then, but there were fights that were going on already. And uh, I, I got into a few fights at first, getting swayed by my cell leader. Yep. And then uh, I, I one day couldn't bear it just didn't feel right. Yep. Like it didn't feel right that God wanted me to piss my mom off to the extent where she would cry. Uh, and then I stopped going for the first month. Yep. And from literally the first month when I stopped going, yep. things started picking up. And then that's how I made it to JC. At the last three to four months when I managed to... Yep myself up I was doing an L1 R5 of 40 points and then I made it to 14 then minus 4 and then I got it to 10 yeah fantastic yeah. so um, after that went to JC and then after that went back into a into a into a terrible like cycle because I got carried away with getting into JC <laughs> learned my lesson another hard way this time it wasn't um, religion yeah. but um, yeah uh, that that that's what uh, defines my current practice at the moment uh, but in the future I will definitely want to get back to it I feel like um, now is not the time because uh, there are still more important things and my once again my relationship uh, with God as a personal thing yep. uh, and it's largely based on the things that I do on my day to day not the things that I do in front of my pastor or in front of my of my cell group leader uh, for for their own definition about yep. who is on yep. what tier or whatever yep. um, and secondly uh, I, I want to spend more time with, with my mom now yep. it's just me and my mom in a, in a household yep. uh, and lastly I feel that when they ask about the donations and being able to do more, I feel that if I were to focus on my career better now, I would be able to give more in the future. So it's about that. Knowing how to strike the balance of if I were to wait another maybe 10 years from now before I start going full blown into that, at the same time, maybe then I have a family and, and it all starts making a lot more sense. Uh, I would be able, I would be more successful, hopefully. Uh, financially, I'll have more to give. I would even maybe be able to find the time to go overseas and, and do uh, missionary trips. Yeah. Uh, as compared to now, where if you ask me to go and I'm still like trying to juggle yep. family yep. And, and the business and everything, and I'll always be um, 
more stagnant as compared to if I were to put my all into uh, work now. La. It's yeah. not the season. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think that it's a, it's a logical calibration of yeah. time as to exactly when to, when to go back. So, so do, you, do, you take, <clears throat> do you take after, let's say, do you adopt a certain sense of morality from uh, Christianity, from your religion? Or is it something like um, perhaps your mom, seeing how your mom does business? Mm. Yes. Um, as much as I would love to say it is from Christianity. God thought you ought to do business. <laughs> God did not tell us anything to do He will make... I, I think Jesus will make a very good social media influencer. That's <laughs> just me. Yeah. Uh, funnily enough, I actually, as a kid, I was a Buddhist. So uh, some moral compass comes from uh, what I remember as a Buddhist as a kid. Uh, a lot of it actually comes from my business partner, my sister, because um, she has that. Uh, first of all, she's worked in a company before and I haven't, so she knows what the norms are. Uh, and, and I came straight out of the army. Yeah, so I mean, you were saying. <laughs> I was charging people and sending them to jail. <laughs> Where she was <laughs> juggling her own team. Yeah. Uh, so I came in uh, very, very... Uh, Militaristic? Yeah. Very, very forceful. Very, very uh, almost harsh um, with, with the way I would tell off my team. Yeah. Um, and, and then uh, I, I've, I've apologized to my, to my team members for that. Wow. And they have forgiven me... Uh, I I know I had uh maybe one or two uh colleagues earlier on who I did not manage to um change for the better in time and to this day I still regret not uh, mm. having have thought in that perspective but my sis tells me not to put it on myself because uh we also had a lot on our plate and uh we've the important thing is that we've learned uh and now now Moral compass wise, uh, I learned a lot from my sister as well as from Andrew Kwan, my mentor. Yeah, so he's a staunch Christian. My sister is also like me, a non-practicing Christian at the <laughs> moment. Uh, and together, um, yeah, he has a lot of that business, what is fair uh, and, and completely uh, logical in the business sense. And my sis has that endearing uh, understanding of how humans think and feel that I have never met uh, somebody to this day does better than she does. Wow. Yeah. So I'm lucky, I'm blessed to have uh, been able to gain uh, Andrew as my mentor and to still have my sister as my my business partner. Uh, Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll treasure the X amount of years that I will be able to do business with my sister before she will inevitably one day um, turn towards wanting to spend more time with her family. Yeah, and then maybe back then, uh, by then with her portfolio, I will engage her uh, and be able to pay her well as a uh, freelance freelance <laughs> consultant contract basis <laughs> yeah 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 my social media guru <laughs> so um, in in looking towards the end this fantastic conversa- conversation I'm I'm particularly curious as to what drives you these days because so okay okay it's a two part question what, what what drives you or what has been driving you for the past couple of years mm. 
And part B to this particular question is, how has your definition of success changed over the past decade? Oh. Yeah, because uh, you're about 27, 26 right now. Yep. A decade ago is 16. Yeah. Right after O levels, yep. in that crucial period where you say, uh, you were, uh, you had to crunch for O levels. You mm. barely made it to to JC, mm. and you sucked at it. Yeah. Yeah, and you dropped out. Yeah. So how how has that changed? So part A, part B. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Rita. Part A would be about uh, what, what has- drives you. What, what has been driving me? you? Okay. Yeah. Not gonna lie. Uh and, and I said this in that Instagram post uh with uh when we when we signed with Commonwealth Capital, um for the first I would say year and a half before we started franchising, I was completely fueled by I would say um uh anger, mm. a mixture of anger. Yep. at the people who had looked down on me um, thought I wouldn't become anybody yep. uh, and then after that once I had I felt like I had achieved a certain amount that turned into passion for wanting to help other people so uh, and, and, and fuel as well la. so it was almost like kinda, it was unhealthy fuel but Honestly, it was probably the only fire that was strong enough to keep us going that first month with the little amount of sleep that we had because we were so close on a few chan- on a few days of completely giving up. Uh, that's how tired we were. Um, mm. There was this one particular day where, uh, you know that moment where your alarm goes off and you're like kind of like dazed yep. and you... You, you want to snooze. You, you want to snooze. You want to turn <laughs> off. Yeah. And you actually, at the back of your head, kind of know what you're pressing. Uh, and you know what's the cause and effect of it. But uh, you you still make the decision on which key to press. Uh, and my sis all along had always been getting up slightly earlier than me because she had to do, she always had to do basic makeup. So <laughs> 15 minutes, always earlier than me. So, 15 plus plus. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that day, I remember, because uh, it was like the, I think it was either the end of the second week or the end of the third week and accumulated fatigue. Yep. Um, and I had uh, basically also just broken up with my girlfriend at that point of time. Mm. Very, oh, very man. tired with that. Uh, and for me, it was that subliminal moment where the alarm was going off and everything. I was quite like, fuck, I'm done with this really. Like, I I, I don't want to do it. And and then after that, I remembered the things that uh, me and my sister had talked about. I remember that I'm not the only one in this. I remember mm. that I chose not to go for a degree. I'm already one year behind because of JC. Mm. Uh, I admit, I had gone all in. So... I'm backed against the corner and I will not, I will pull every like muscle of strength within me from everything that I've learned in army to, yeah, the, the, the Brunei moments, for example, to press and get up, right? So I got up and then when I opened the door, the usual sight was my sister at the mirror doing her makeup. But I got to the door and I opened and I saw that she wasn't there. And I realized that my sis went through the exact same oh, moment shit. and she pressed the turn off and she had given up. 
Mm. I went, I burst into a door. I shook her awake and I told her, don't, like, don't Yo. do this. Please don't do this. Like, we, you know what? I need you and you know that we are going to regret this. Yep. So, like, we made it. We were slightly late. And we are part-timers, like, outside our door. But we made it. And uh, in the end, that day stuck uh, to, to me as... Yeah, the the most painful day. Uh, that that could have been the end. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that could have been the day when we decided to fuck all. We got a slew of bad customer reviews because they made the and trip the, down. The, the decline, oh. yeah. Yeah, then 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 that's the that's that's wow. the decline, uh, Yeah. So S- such an easy, I won't say easy, such a nondescript moment, really. Yeah. 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 It, it really feels almost like nothing, but in that. In those, in that split second, right, it could have been all or nothing. Yep. Yeah. And and I remember that shock when I got up and I saw that my sister wasn't there because mm. I thought that if anyone wouldn't give up, it would be my sister because she had already bought the ticket and knew that she was going to Melbourne, going to have a house. She was the one with the commitments. Yep. I was the one that was just basically going to go through more embarrassment, but I didn't really have a commitment. She did. So, yeah, that 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 day was something that uh that motivated me a lot. Uh, that was the first half. The second half after that, honestly, was my sister, my team. It was about getting uh the valuation and getting a, a better pay for my sister, so that um when as her timeline creeps closer and closer. Um, her her eventual uh, step backs from the company uh, will be such that she would have more um, options financially uh, and then for my team it is for them to be able to have more options as well um, that head chef that I mentioned who was there from the very first day to now he has a family of four and his family lives in Manila that just got hit by the hurricanes and everything and, and it's in a bad shape. Lah. So he has four kids. He I mean things are things are going well. So he made his uh he made the decision for his wife to actually go to Melbourne uh and pursue her studies. Wow. So he took on even more to the point where he uh did a loan uh which he did not realize was was from a unauthorized money lender oh, and then they were calling our shop threatening with like you know like pixie and oh i want to throw pain yeah, yeah yeah like for real they're calling i thought it was a myth shop. no wow it happened to it has happened to me three times so far in business already once was an employee at alter ego uh and then twice was at pocket theory so the most recent one was my this uh was my this HF who luckily called the police. Yep. Uh at that point of time I already had experience already like, from the former cases. <laughs> so I told him I told him ignore them. Not they, something you want to experience it. <laughs> I, I told him, tell them we have a CCTV and then after that I guarantee you they're not gonna do anything. Uh and and true enough they don't. And I told him, please. His name is Roger, like, I told him, please, Roger, you know by now. You don't have to feel embarrassed. If you need money, ask me and I'll lend it to you. Like, you don't need to resort to any of this. And then for him, is he is le- more about like, he didn't want to trouble me. Like, didn't yep, want to busy yep, me. Yep. Which 
I fully appreciate he's thinking of me, but I told him, don't do anything this stupid again. So <laughs> now that his, after his wife went to Melbourne and then COVID hit and, and he is basically the sole breadwinner, right? She, she can't even, she couldn't go out to F&B. Now they're lucky that Australia is getting back and, and she can go and part-time again. But for me, like at that point in time, it was so crucial. That's why COVID, I, I, I made a personal um, promise that I would lower my pay and my sister's pay to the bare minimum uh, if it meant that my I, I, w- I wouldn't have to lower Roger's pay. I wouldn't have to lower my ops manager Yvonne's pay uh, and then all of the ones who have been there from... So everybody will go through together. Yeah, because look, we wouldn't be where we are if it's not for them. And that's the truth. So to think that it is all about us, right? It's just a very, very selfish and totally deluded um, way to go about it. Yeah. Like. yeah. So, yeah. Um, so this is phase two. So yeah. I can imagine phase three. What will continue to drive you? Um, Would it still be, I guess, from phase two, the, the, the team moving forward? It will be the team moving forward. Uh, also because uh, some of them are buying shares. Uh, and therefore, the valuation would also mean that they would have uh, a good investment uh, and they would probably have better uh, financial options. They would have a great, like, I mean, to date, so far, uh, it's been a great addition to their portfolio. Lah, as long as we don't do anything wrong, touch, touch, <laughs> touch wood, whatever, yeah. whatever the wood is. <laughs> I'll touch my own wood. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, it is it is about them. It is about my sister, and it's also about about me because um I am also at a point where uh how do I put this? <laughs> I start thinking more about um life uh after uh at, at the next stage yep. right and and uh, and the things that uh I want to do yep. and I realize that what I really want to do. Um, is to regain that passion for cooking, which I feel that I lost a little bit when I went into it as a business because of how much you are just forced to look into food and and that R&D process just sucks the passion out of it. I used to have this hobby of like always experimenting and and all that, like cooking and and doing like nice food photography and all that. Uh, I first of all want a house that has a, there's a kitchen the way that I want it to and I want a passion uh, back to use the kitchen the way that mm. I I want it mm. to. Uh. Um, second of all, would for myself would be also that I want to be doing uh, something that I don't have to worry about uh, when it comes to uh, a rainy day such as like now. Yeah. yeah so yeah. being able to um, I don't know. Get a get to have saved enough to have. Uh, put, I mean, if we really expand uh to enough countries, at some point in time, I know the reality is that I'm not. I'm too young and too inexperienced of a CEO to uh take us to the next step. So if let's say we have expanded uh successfully through Southeast Asia and there's a private equity or even Commonwealth Capital wants to expand uh, bigger 
to let's say to to North Asia yep. or let's say to um China. Yeah. Uh China, I mean, it could be Europe. We have inquiries for China, Europe, uh, the the US even. And all of these, I don't have the chops for it. Like there are guys out there who have been there, done that, executed the expansion of brands. These are guys that are in their 40s. These are guys that draw a pay uh, that's a five-figure pay. And these are guys who have, as I said, been there, done, uh, done that already. So I know, and my friends have warned me uh, those those other um, advisor friends that I have who have uh, exited their companies already have also told me to not get too emotionally attached mm. because there will come the day where it's either you lose your company because you didn't um, do good enough thanks yep. yeah or you do too well to the point where you will lose your company because I mean, you won't lose it fully, but you'll be pushed to the backseat because mm. somebody else will know better on how to um, spearhead the charge to a bigger level. And then one day, there will be... I mean, Poké will be at the kind of like... I mean, in the US already, there's already a great example of this brand called Pokéworks. Pokéworks? Uh, Pokéworks. Okay. Yeah. Uh, invested in by a private equity company. Uh boom one shot went from like uh i don't know maybe they're like 10 outlets to 15 outlets uh now they're on track to having over 100 outlets in america alone so you know that they are the uh the king of uh salads in the u.s is called sweet green that's my sister's like role model like, when it comes to branding for sustainability sweet and all that greens. uh sweet greens Greens. yeah um that's in the u.s so Sweet Green's latest valuation after incorporating in like they incorporated in tech in some way or somehow <laughs> something about like using AI to formulate uh, flavor combinations so that they will always have new flavors that will yep. keep them ahead of the rest. Sure. They got to a valuation of 2 billion. Jesus. In the F&B, right? Yeah. So one day uh, there will be a, a poke version of sweet greens, just like there's a poke. There will be a poke version of Starbucks, a poke version of McDonald's, uh, and it will be in the private equity, the VC leagues, where they will not accept a first timer. Yeah. And before I even get to the halfway of that fight, right, where two big titans clash to become the <laughs> the the big boy. I will be long past and diluted and, and washed away where I will go into my next uh, concept that I would like to pursue. So being realistic enough, uh, I want to get there uh, as soon as possible um, so that my guys also, their portfolio uh, would be great. Uh, whether they want to stay with the new VCs or the new PEs or they want to come along with me to this next uh, venture that I want to do uh, along with my franchisees, I know that it's up to them, but um, yeah, for me, I I think about um, one thing, I guess, financial freedom. Yep. If let's say uh, we do achieve that, and uh, yeah, I'll I'll get to I'll get to do business without the stress that I have, get back that passion for cooking, or 
if I fail and I turns out the reason for the success was really because of luck or maybe because I I don't have my sister as a full time anymore or anything, uh, I can go do like what I want without worrying about the fact that it's going to affect my family mm. and their dreams. Mm. So example, I could go and be a, a, a an actual cook in a kitchen uh, and be paid um, whatever 1.6 to 2k uh, and and even maybe be a part-time full-timer working three days a week because there's that financial freedom yep. um, and and that's actually what I want to do la. I, I want to cook to just the right amount so I don't lose <laughs> that that passion and if that's what I want to do then I will need to prepare financially to be able to do that la. it's so interesting that, that that is not off the table for you uh, yeah, it's very, very interesting that you, you don't see any form of prejudice against a job like that. It is a job that, A, satisfies your your desire to cook. Yeah, because I would imagine being someone of your stature, having achieved success at your age, it, it can swing someone's personality uh, towards an extreme. And if he doesn't have any sense of grounding and, I guess, humbleness to, mm. to, to go with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they will look, and that's where the the, the morality comes in. Mm. Like you will look down on, let's say, service stuff. You will look down on like, jobs that quote unquote earns lesser, mm. because God knows that people will peg how much you earn to how you are as a person, which is mm. very strange. So definitely, like uh, I think it depends on exactly how well I I do my job uh, until that that point comes. Mm. Uh, whether it's because I caused my company to fail or we managed to exit, either way, uh, if I cause my company to exit uh, and I get financial freedom, great. And honestly, I don't need to care about what anybody thinks because I don't aim to be this public consultant, public figure. Like if I have financial freedom, I will. You're gonna disappear. <laughs> I will go to California. <laughs> I will go back there. And, and and sell marijuana. Yeah, <laughs> not sell consume. <laughs> and then like allegedly, and go go on my munchy adventures and just like oh, we were here for you for two years. So. <laughs> that's my dream, honestly. So, um, yeah, I, I I hope to be able to achieve that. But if it doesn't, uh, and I and I fuck it up along the way, then I know that. At least uh, I have a decent track record that will allow me to either one, have another go at uh, pushing it and this time having learned a lot of lessons, knowing how to start off a lot better. Mm. Or two, uh, I would like to believe that Commonwealth would have seen that me being the pioneer of my this generation of brands uh, and and the uh, hard work and so far the I like to think that the big boss likes the way that I work and what I've been doing uh, and uh, and the innovation I have with coming up with the franchise only model and being so uh, focused on being franchise uh, centric um, he would offer me a job in yeah. Commonwealth um, I could I could join one of the other uh, food groups uh, doing one of the the social media anything <laughs> like any manager I'll, 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 I'll take it because I just enjoy being in the in the food world um, until I get that financial freedom yeah and uh, till then I'll just be wishing for my 
my dream to be able to go on my munchie adventures when <laughs> I <I'm laughs> pending pending when you're 35 <laughs> I, I hear that Australia is gonna allow it soon so maybe so I can maybe go. the ticket will come soon <laughs> yeah I can go join my sister there we would love to uh, I mean like I I I, I, I love words cannot describe how much I love my sis so mm. I would love to to be able if I go over there uh, through some visa structure because I'm her brother yep. uh, and I convince my partner and and when we are there my mom has no choice but to come and join us and then yep. we'll be one back as one family yep. in, in Melbourne uh. yeah so I like it at Melbourne as well and the best part is that being a cook there is awesome. It's, There's it's, so it's much a highly to learn. respected craft. It's highly it? respected, it's highly paid, and and it's such a craft. Like they really, really put in effort. There's a there's a lot of creativity, there's a lot of fresh produce they have to play with. Um and, and that allows you to to do a lot of things that Singapore doesn't because of uh how we need to import everything and uh as such everything needs to be quite expensive yeah i want to touch on this particular point before i end the the session um mm. i always felt that singapore has been in a bit of a paradox mm-hmm. as to how we value uh cooks because we have hawker centers we have hawker centers that give us uh food at extremely affordable prices mm. and there has been a lot of cases maybe in recent years or always that there's been a lot of like backlash against uh, wanting to be a hawker, uh, treating the hawkers, the, the, the people who serve you food with actual respect. Mm. While comparatively to, 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 to someone who has the, the title of a chef in a restaurant or even like overseas, it is high, it's a highly respected craft. Mm. Do, you, do you see that uh, as, do, do, do you see that uh, as yourself running a restaurant, having a passion for food, do you see that paradox and how do you imagine this culture uh, growing in Singapore because God knows that within five years, if there is inflation, if there is, let's say, uh, a global event, I mean, there, there has been a lot of talk about how our local how, uh, a local hawker culture might be dying within the next 10 because nobody wants to take up those jobs. And mm. if you outsource it to, to let's say, uh, people of, of a foreign entity come into work, mm. you'll lose a bit of the authenticity, mm. which has been present since uh, Singapore's independence because yep. people came from all over and they started their own uh, food culture tailoring to the, the, the people living here yeah we put on twist on it yep um, yeah okay so for starters <laughs> you can ask my my close friends my sister uh, my mom they all know that my dream actually uh, if I achieve financial freedom or I manage to uh, move to Melbourne is I want to sell Singapore the Chinese style Curry chicken noodles at Box Hill in Melbourne. And what, sorry? Box? At, uh, at Box Hill, which is like the equivalent of Chinatown uh, okay. in Melbourne. I want to set up my own store. I want to sell curry chicken noodles there. Uh, and just curry chicken noodles. Uh, I will sell the number of portions that I want to sell for that day. And I'll close the <laughs> shop. And that will be my life. <laughs> and it's the life that I want to live. And you like, go back, on your way back, you buy a couple of bungees and you go back to your house. <laughs> like, hey, we got it. And then I'll give and then I just have a ball of a time, I have barbecues. Ah, oh, it's just, there's so much okay. temptation. Yeah. So that is my dream. That's how um, I personally feel, uh, that's how much I value the hawker food because I love it that much. Uh, and, and, 
a lot of people always uh like i i actually tell my other friends uh because uh i went into the workforce earlier than them uh most of my friends uh if they did not go to university uh they are in their work jobs but still in the lower tiers uh, those that were my JC friends that went to university, they just started. Some of them are high, high flying, but uh, still in their earlier years. And I tell them that uh, your spending habits when it comes to food, right, uh, actually don't really change that much uh, even when you uh, start earning more. Because whether you have a 3K salary, or you've made it to a 9k salary if you like your laksa you like your laksa you mm. you can't take the laksa out of me you can't take the curry chicken noodle out of me you can't take the chicken rice out of me so i believe that that demand is there um you are just going to be able to like if you start getting paid better you're going to be able to afford the nicer uh experiences but you will still have your chicken rice once a week if you had your chicken rice once a week and you will eat these uh, rudimentary foods just like how you will still always love mom's cooking. Um, how I foresee hawker food panning out is painfully enough because there is not enough people, uh, youngsters right now uh, with that stigma uh, even parents don't want their kids to take over that job because of the way that it is. Yeah. Uh, I feel there will be lesser hawker centers. I feel hawker centers will be different in terms of how um, there'll be like maybe like robots cleaning the uh, the tables, serving okay. the, 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 the food. Just like how you look at like Timber Plus, for example, tree, tree return is done yep. yourself. Yep. Um, Prices will definitely not stay the same. Uh, and I say this because you have a guy doing a craft. Let's take spaghetti. Handmade spaghetti, right? This Italian guy can be selling handmade spaghetti pasta. $17. Agri olio. Yeah. People don't flinch. Yeah. And then you have this guy who is also making handmade ramen or handmade ban mian yep. at the hawker center. Yep. And when he tries to sell it above five dollars, people are like, "What the fuck?" Blah yep, blah yep, blah yep, blah. Yep, in yep. The backlash. Ra- I mean, come on. The time, the craft, the ingredient cost is the same. Even when it, especially even when it comes to ramen, right? You need alkaline water. You need there's even more technicalities into it. All due respect to Italian food, but we need that respect for our own hawker culture yeah. as well. So I believe that there will be a very quantum leap in how much our hawker food will cost because that demand will stay there. The supply will decrease, but there will always be those people with that sharp glint in their eye who's, who, who can identify that, that um, trade. How do you put it? That supply and demand um, shift. La. Yep. So they will realize that they can start charging higher amounts say quantum leap that is not just a leap <laughs> yeah I, I mean this okay so take, take an example as um, coconut clubs for nasi lemak oh yeah uh, wonton sing for wonton mee mm-hmm. 
um, these guys did what? They went from nasi lemak, which used to average three dollars, mm. to selling nasi lemak at sixteen, seventeen dollars. Wonton Singh, when you go during dinner, uh, not during the lunch set. The lunch sets alone are fourteen, fifteen dollars. They are literally ten meters away from a very famous Batomi uncle. Uh, he's a handsome hawker la. that's half the reason why the aunties go but his bar <laughs> is really good so, like, it's my favourite bar shout out okay uh, $4, $5, $6 his bar it comes with a lot more liao it comes everything but Wantan Singh is still packed out full house because the ambience and that fine tuning that quality control and just that little bit of yeah, that fine tuning of the ambience, the music having keep music, the aircon having the aircon and everything. Suddenly, my when my mom ate uh, at one tan zing for dinner, um, given that she had one can of beer, but <laughs> her dinner, they charged it, they, they did it zha style. So you ordered your dishes and then after that, your noodle is a dollar. She spent $30 what? per pax. So it was a two packs dinner. It was sixty dollars for one tummy. Lunchtime you spend depending on whether you choose the only vegetarian, just the mushroom one, or you choose the the one with all the the works, the aburi tasiu or the soba. That's fifteen uh, fourteen fifteen dollars. Yeah, we're talking about f- at least like a four times pa- uh, um cost price jump, if not five times yep. price jump. Yep. And then you have your even more atas ones where you have labyrinth. What's that? Uh, labyrinth is an esplanade where they they take our hawker food and then they do the culinary twist on it. Uh, where we they do get uh, molecular gastronomy. So one example is that there's something that looks like kaya kaya toast uh-huh. and egg. Uh-huh. Uh, the kaya toast is actually the the bread is meringue. The kaya inside is um. Some other uh, Sabayon's uh, sauce, yep. and then the egg is something that you can pour out, and then it's something else that looks like an egg, but it's not an egg. Okay. And he uh, charges. How much did he charge? He charged uh, about a hundred dollars per pack. Yeah, he got a mission star. Then after that, he recently changed his style a little bit. Uh, to re- to refresh it up, so you have this, and then you have what's another super uh, Michelin level? Uh, yeah, I can only think of Wantan Singh Coconut Clubs. Uh, this sounds like dystopian Singapore, man. It's like yeah. hyper capitalism until a point where it's it, it's a very warped image of Singapore. That let's say if our generation or even the older generation gets to has has lived through it's just very very strange yeah so what's gonna happen is that what is the future like this future generation that is dissuading their kids from going into they're they're getting the wrong impression of what hawker centers are going to be in the future because i feel that the government knows this and they need to improve the hawker centers to attract talents to come in hence why you have your timber you even have your that issue the 
the one where the where the stores are all a lot nicely branded yeah. and and everything's a bit more expensive but it's a lot more clean and there's there's uh, a lot more fans and then everything's clear, like it's just a level up but it might be an unfixable problem right because i might. think it goes beyond money it might it yeah. might like i it's what i fear one of the things i fear the most um there are some uh dishes that are almost completely out of uh existence at the moment uh i'll name a few yeah one would be satay bihun uh oh. one would be jikui if uh the tiongbaru or the tianpo uh jikui uh suddenly just decides to like stop um you also have uh what's what's the uh rojak uh, you have uh, what is another one that my mom loves? Uh, it's a very yeah. contemplative look on his face right now. <laughs> <laughs> a bit worried. No, yeah, I mean, there's so many. Yeah, there's yeah. so much. But the satay bihun one is interesting because mm. I remember eating that when I was younger. Mm. And now that you mentioned, I was like, where oh, do you find it? Yeah. Exactly. You yeah. only there's only one good one. Uh, at um, Bukit Timah Hawker Centre that's mm. still there uh, oh the other thing I wanted to say was because uh, so I'm going to tell a very very short story because no we're ending uh, the only family recipe that has been passed down from my grandmother uh, which was already distorted because it got passed down to my aunt aunt passed to my mum <laughs> mum passed to me everything was aga at that time no measurements no hyong yep no hyong is something that it's very difficult to find now and I know it because there was this Airbnb challenge where they called for a hundred home cooks um, from around the world uh, to be to have their family recipes refined by David Chang himself mm. and yeah. David Chang's mom which to me is like I uh, would die celebrity chef <laughs> yeah like for me it's, the, it's like it's David Chang and me now is like Gordon Ramsay and me last time back when I just started okay so I love him to death and when this opportunity came up I knew I could not turn it down um, and I knew it was up my alley I mean I did radio I did uh, film I, I uh, basically the prerequisites which I could not cook for them I could only speak show charisma show that I would be uh, a good addition to the cookbook and have an interesting dish to show yep. uh, I needed to write like a, like a, a written entry to a that was the first uh, yep. round. The second round was to uh, send in the recipe and, and tell them why it's special. And then the third one was what you aim to make special uh, and what you aim to achieve out of David Chang working with you. Oh. Then the very last one is a one minute video where you introduce the uh, dish and why it's so special so that they can see it. I applied for that and According to Airbnb, there were thousands and thousands of applicants from around the world. I don't know whether I'm the only one in Singapore or whether there is one or two or more out there, but I got it. Oh, shit. And I was supposed to, in the mid of July, I'm supposed to be in Polenzo, Italy with David Chang. This year? This year. Refining my f one family recipe. <laughs> And now that I have Commonwealth working with me, 
after I told um, Andrew Kwan, yeah. he was like, I'm going to throw in the media for you. We're going to get yeah. this yeah. with David Chang's stamp of endorsement, wow. with it being fading. We can sell it in the supermarkets because they have entries to supermarkets. Soup Spoon has their soups bear and so and so and so forth. So I was like, we like the moment we have David Chang's stamp on this and it's going to be their very first cookbook, 100 Home Cooks from wow. Around the World, sent all around the world to the top Airbnb, the most popular Airbnbs, uh, for them to be used as coffee table coffee books. Tables, yeah, coffee table um, books. And I myself also would uh, get a crash course on entrepreneurship. Plus, uh, I would learn from, basically we are going to Polenzo, Italy because the number one Airbnb experience host is this Nonna who teaches you how to make handmade pasta wow. in this uh, very southern part of Italy. Yeah. Then what happens? COVID happens. COVID fucked you over. <laughs> Italy <laughs> totally went to shit. Yeah. We clung on to hope. They delayed it. Delayed it. Yep. So and then happens? after that, they made a very realistic uh, decision where, because they are losing a lot of money now, Airbnb, right? They already laid off a quarter of their workforce. And they said, we, re- we really appreciate, we know how much you guys are looking forward to it and how the different, how many rounds we have to go through. Uh, but we will have to cancel this. So what we are giving you uh, in exchange is, uh, you can pick two options. One is $5,000 USD worth of Airbnb vouchers. Option two is $3,000 of Airbnb vouchers, you know, $2,000 of Airbnb uh, vouchers and $3,000 cash USD. Uh, but all of that aside, during that final round, when I had to find that video, and I basically had to find a Nohyong fast because the deadline they gave right was one day. <laughs> so that's when I knew I had it in the back. As long as I got found a Nohyong, right? Nobody, I don't think these other guys have the media experience that I have to 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 really clinch it within the kind of time time frame that we have like 24 hours to get the dish they may want to cook it it's one minute you need to express yourself well you need to show that you're articulate charismatic and everything and i tried to find this nohyong within this 24 hours and it was so difficult i went to when i googled where sold nohyong yeah there's only seven places in singapore okay of this seven i go I on, only two were still selling. I bought one from, uh, I think it was Jurong, where Bunle Power Nasi Lemak, that hawker center there. Okay. He's an uncle who doesn't look like he's going to be passing it down to his kid anymore. Yeah. And that's going to die off as well. So that is an, another example of something that uh, can come up. But the good thing is that now during the COVID period, I have seen two... Uh, startups come up home delivery Nohyong where it's a grandma also a grandmother recipe then I believe they're trying to make ends meet so they take they're, they're doing like delivery like, of, of, of Nohyong yeah so I was down there looking at it like if I had gone to David Chang and came back with that stamp of authority <laughs> you guys so no David Chang <laughs> you guys are dead <laughs> so you have faith love. um I would I would like to now I think David Chang is going through a lot of problems himself because he has a lot of restaurants in New York and they are going through the shits as well. Yo, so, shit. Yeah, it's a shit storm, yeah. Yeah. So so for him, whether he will survive, whether he has the mood for it in the even the next 
couple of years i don't know uh but one day i will reach out through a dm or something and tell him that i had dreamt of this and i hope that uh you that i can fly to wherever you are uh and and you will grant me this wish lah. because uh aside from the airbnb experience i mean hopefully by then airbnb picks back up uh, what they wanted was to have 100 home cooks go back to their island, uh, uh, to their countries and be Airbnb experience hosts. Oh, wow. Like great, yeah. like, celeb- like celebrity endorsed Airbnb experience hosts. So you're going to make Airbnb money and you're going to make money yourself. And that's why you learn from the number one right now in it's, Italy. Yeah. Pray to God that she's still alive and... <laughs> because she's like 90 plus yep. and really really old yep. um, yeah, what do you so admire out of uh, David Chang they, they what Sorry? what do you admire out of David Chang um, what do I, you like about him I just really enjoy his shows um, I, his food shows um, how candid he is about it uh, he also uh, smokes pot and, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. eats munchies together with Seth Rogen love it <laughs> um, he likes to challenge um, that whole like it doesn't need to be expensive and and uh, you need to use the finest ingredients you can actually make magic out of humble ingredients um, and he champions Asian food a lot so uh, I think he is something that is more much more relatable mm. than uh, my previous like Gordon Ramsay Gordon. When, when I was a food journalist and he came down that time for the the Bread the, Street yeah the no the hawker challenge mm. that was before Bread Street uh, where he did the laksa the chili crab and the chicken rice um, I saw him in person and along with the whole like flood of all the other paparazzis and then I, I bought and I tried it and I just knew that this was not oh like he's great on tv uh but i tried his restaurants when i was in la three out of three were no good uh and then after that when i try his own food uh himself uh i didn't really find it that good so i think he's a great host Uh, i think maybe once upon a time he was a great uh cook when he was a smaller scale but I don't put it beneath David Chang as well. Once you turn your career more towards being a celebrity, uh, you you will definitely suffer and your it's a different ballgame. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you're, you're surviving. Look at Jamie Oliver. Once upon a time, you're a celebrity. Now, He's now in supermarkets. Yeah, now <laughs> bankrupt. And then after that, you have George Colin Barris, the Australian master chef judge who I love his restaurant in Melbourne as well. Now bankrupt as well. So Oh, wow. What? Yeah, bankrupt. Um, so you you have a life cycle. Um, yep. David Chang, I hope he survives this and grants me this wish. Otherwise, by the time uh, the next new icon comes along, uh, if Airbnb has another contest, <laughs> hopefully I'm still uh, young and 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 passionate. Uh, yeah, attract- passionate and attractive enough to to be what they want to. The idea of, you know, who they want to feature, you know, they want young, eh? yep. exciting. Yep. Uh, and I think it can be exciting, yeah. Uh, give me 10 years, I might. <laughs> to be exciting. Yeah. <laughs> to I, build I, up to I, that. I might, I might end up becoming just this old uncle constantly yelling at the at the government to, to help the hawkers and shit <laughs> like that. Like. <laughs> Perhaps. Okay, one yeah. final question. Um, hmm. What dish would you cook for God and why? That no hyung recipe. 
Yeah. Uh, my business would tell me that I would have to say poke, but my heart tells me I I need to do that not hyong because number one, number one I've never had a single person try um the not hyong and say that it's not good. I've only had people ask for recipes and fail to recreate it, uh because it's everything has been by by um by few. So this time that with the David Chang thing, it was my very first attempt to measure out everything, uh, do my own five spice powder from scratch rather than buy this certain store brand that might stop working. Uh, and and I think that um, I want my grandmother to know that I, that was my dream as well, uh, to, have, to have made her proud because uh, she's not around anymore mm. and she never got to see me cook. But I have heard legends about her cooking like my my mom my even my dad everybody tells me you should have met Popo because she was the best cook wow. uh, around and it's sad that the only recipe I have is a distorted Nohyong recipe because <laughs> like, she could do everything honestly like I hear from my from my relatives I like, she could do everything from scratch incredible so there was so much for me to learn but um, I've done the best that I can with the Nohyong and yeah that's what I would uh, want to cook for God yeah that's a fantastic story I believe you just did three hours shit so um, <laughs> in closing where can people find you uh, do you have Instagram um, Theory? yeah yeah find me on Instagram at butter goggles so instead of beer goggles uh, I like to think everything's better with butter hence butter goggles mm. um uh, otherwise you can reach out to me joey at poketheory.com.sg uh, I'm always replying so you don't have to worry about me ignoring you uh, whatsoever yeah alright thank you for your time Joey thank you for the fantastic conversation thank you Kevin thank you. for having me and apologies for keeping you so late <laughs> three hours <laughs> no it's, it's, it's really fantastic <laughs> thank you thank, thank you for you. having me Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and feel inspired. If you enjoyed what you heard thus far, do give us a follow on Instagram. And don't forget to share and subscribe. Stay tuned for the next episode.